Trash. Trash. Hey gang, welcome back to another episode of the We Speak English Good podcast. Today's guest, I'm very happy to say, is Michael Manring. Michael is a bass virtuoso in every sense of the word. His bass itself, the hyper bass, is an insane invention from another planet, but bred here at home on Mother Earth. So, I am so happy and proud to have Michael Manring on the show. Uh, you can find Michael at manthing.com. Michael is a he is considered one of the 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 founding fathers of new age music. He has played with Thomas Dolby. He studied under Jaco Pistorius. We talk about all that good stuff and more. So please stick around and check out all the the things we got coming up on the show. But first, a little business. Go to reinamystique.com, R-E-I-N-A-M-Y-S-T-I-Q-U-E.com and go check out her new single, Ready, Set, Go. It was released last Tuesday and it is awesome. It's about Sonic and Dr. Eggman. So if you're into hip hop, drum and bass, and Sonic, you're going to love this song. You can also find Reina on Twitch four days a week, twitch.tv slash Raina Mystique. Uh, she streams Mondays to Thursdays, 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also find We Speak English Good on Twitch. Go and find us. The links are in the show notes. We stream twice a week, Mondays and Fridays, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also check out our Threadless store if you are interested in monetarily supporting the show you can get t-shirts mugs all kinds of cool stuff at we speak english good.threadless.com links are in the show notes you can also like subscribe review like us on facebook instagram tiktok uh, discord we got a discord jump in our server stay up to date on who's coming on the show and who you can see coming on the show and and actually catch a live stream of our guests so go check that out you can also subscribe to us on iTunes, follow us on Spotify or anywhere you get your podcast. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube. We have <laughs> YouTube's. We have music tutorials on there. We have all the 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 episodes of the podcast. All the video uh, versions of the episodes are up there, including this episode right here. So go and check it out on the YouTube link in the show notes. You can also, of course, subscribe to us on Twitch and catch the show live. We'll be a part of the conversation and, and ask questions to base to legends such as bass virtuoso Michael Manring. You can also leave a review if you like the show. If you like this podcast, please. Feel free to leave us a review. It helps us in more ways than you can imagine. Plus, we'll read them on air. You can also write the show at WeSpeakEnglishGood at gmail.com. Let us know how, you, how you're how you doing, how we're doing. It's been a crazy past couple of years, so if you just need someone to talk to you, email me. If you have a suggestion for a guest, email me. If you have a picture you want to send me because you think that uh, it's awesome, email me. I don't mind. All right. That is about it, folks. 
we uh, we are going to go and check out Michael Mannering. Uh, today, actually, on our live stream, if you're listening to this on Friday, we are... <laughs> there's nothing because we don't have a live stream today because we'll be in New York City. So I don't even know why I even mentioned that. Well, usually here's where I put in uh, what's coming up on the live stream and such, but uh, I'll be in New York City and, and going to the Bronx Zoo and visiting with some friends, some Twitch friends actually. So no stream this week or today. So enjoy your weekend, everybody, and enjoy this chat I had with the very talented and very lovely human being, Michael Manor. Get this over with. Um. All right, that's it. That's all we're doing. That's it. Awesome. Thank you, Michael. Thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate that. But there you go. Thank you, Pizza Jams, for um, embarrassing me in front of my guest. I appreciate you, bud. And uh, let, let's keep moving on. Oh, you got – is that Mikulski? Yeah. Where's Mikulski at? Mikulski was super psyched. It's so funny. When I posted that you were coming on the show, all my musician friends were like, what? Oh, my God. You know, they all start losing their mind. Um, uh, which, which obviously for, for a good reason, for a good reason. Um, do you ever feel like that, that, um, that, um, I, I don't know. Do you ever feel like your, your notoriety is, is, um, I don't know. It, I don't know. Do you ever feel like since you play in such a unique way, do you ever feel like that uh, overshadows maybe your notoriety at points in your career? I, I'm not I'm not sure if I'm phrasing that correctly, but do you understand what I'm saying? Because you take such a unique approach to the bass, do you feel like that sometimes could, um, I don't know, I don't want to say hinder because you have a wonderful career, but um, do you feel like that's kind of kept you out of sort of the mainstream? And, and even though you've been a part of the mainstream in your lifetime, but I, I'm saying, do you feel like that might have uh, ever held you back in any aspect of your career? Yes, actually. It's, I mean, it's a great question. It's... it's um... That's when there's nobody, nobody's ever asked me before. Oh, well. <laughs> and you're right. You're right. It's, um, if you do kind of bizarre stuff like I do, people kind of put you in a certain box and, you know, kind of, that kind of keeps you out of other boxes. <laughs> and uh, the mainstream is, is kind of one of those, but that's, that's just fine with me. Mm. I don't, I don't want to be in the mainstream. <laughs> I've, I've been in kind of the periphery of it. Mm-hmm. And it's a lovely thing, uh, but you you need a you have to have a certain kind of personality type mm-hmm. to, to really survive and thrive in the mainstream of the music business. And that's not really me. Yeah, I mean, I'm a bass player. You know, my <laughs> my way that I kind of got into all this is standing in the back of the stage. Yeah, you know, playing eighth notes for the behind the stars. You know, <laughs> yeah. and only kind of 
gradually ended up being either in the front of the stage or just me on the stage and nobody else. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I'm not, I, you know, I, I like a lot of mainstream music, but that's, uh, that's never really been my goal. Mm -hmm. Well, you, and, and the reason why I ask that is because, you know, like, I feel like you're a bass player's bass player, if, if that makes sense, you know what I mean? And like, and no, no figure, most of the people who were like, oh my God, yeah, Michael Mannering's would be on the are bass players. <laughs> so it's like, you know, like. Outside, like this base and like this new age scene, you know, and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be rude at all because I, I absolutely respect you so much. But like outside of that, it, it's like, um, you know, it, it's it, it's not like it's not like saying Bruno Mars, you know, and everybody's like, oh my god, you know. It, but but I love that. I, and I mean, I, I've taken great pride over my life over the years in listening to uh, people to artists that are like not in the mainstream because I don't know, when I was younger, I just thought that everything was stupid except for fusion. You know what I mean? So it's <laughs> like, <laughs> if you're not fusion, man, then this ain't this ain't music. But you know, it, it's a it, it, it's just I suppose it's it's pop. I, I suppose it's pop and mainstream because it's because it, it is. It is uh, palatable for everyone, or something like that. But I don't know. Would you, do you think that uh, were you? A, I mean, you seem like you're a soft-spoken guy. Do you ever feel like that has ever held you back in your career as well? Like not um, just you're soft-spoken, and, and like you said, you like to be in the background and stuff. So uh, I mean, has that ever hindered you in your career as well? As well, yeah. It's an an interesting place to be like like where i am is kind of kind of a bizarre place to be because as you say i mean basically nobody knows who i am but other bass players and that's you know i'm fine with that i have actually i have a for for as a bass player i have kind of a surprising number of fans that aren't bass players and mm. aren't even musicians yeah um but i you know i never really expected that and yet you know, I find myself on the covers of magazines and on TV and stuff like that every <laughs> once in a while. Right. And so most of the time when I'm out in public, you know, I'm just like anybody else. But once in a while, someone will come up to me and say, hey, I know who you are. And it, it, invariably, it's when I'm like buying toilet paper at Costco or something, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when, when you're really not prepared for it. Right, right. So it's it's kind of a thing that's it's kind of odd, you know. I guess we maybe that's kind of the age we live in. It's not mm -hmm. like there's just fame and not fame anymore. Right. It's there's sort of fame and then there's qualified fame, I guess right. you would call it. Well, so, yeah. You know, and, and that's fine for me. Mm -hmm. That's totally fine for me. Honestly, I um I I never I, I was never into the the fame part of it. I, I'm a music nerd. Yeah. And my real heroes Growing up, my real heroes are, are the guys that that kind of you know always starved and never had any money and <laughs> died those in my... obscurity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was yeah. That's what no, I want. I feel man. you, man. That's, I feel that's you. Where I, go. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and so anytime I I feel like I'm getting successful, I feel like oh, you know, I got to nip that in the bud. <laughs> Better do something that nobody wants to hear. No. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, and, and, and all with respect, of course, Michael. Like I, I just, you know, I'm 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 sweating over here. Uh, but but it, it, you you know you have this really unique career that that um 
spans over, you know, decades and, and you know, with the ebbs and flows of what you do and, and in this career. I mean, um, do you... Do, do you uh, do you think that uh, the 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 new age when when the new age when when that was starting to pop? Do you think that that was? Um, do you think I, I, what was that experience like for you? I, I want to rephrase that. When that was all happening, and you you said you were on the peripheral. What was that experience for you? And what was it for you personally? I mean, you said that you were really not made for the mainstream kind of lifestyle. Um, how was that for you personally and, you know, and as your uh, and from perspective as someone, you know, your career's perspective as well? It was really fun, that whole thing. That was really, it was kind of bizarre. Yeah. I mean, I, if I can put it in context for a minute, it was Please. an interesting time. After, uh, if, if people are old enough to remember Frampton Comes Alive, yeah. that record, oh, Peter I mean, Frampton. I, I wasn't alive, but I, I know. Uh, do you feel how I feel? Right. Is right. That, right. Right. You know, that was it. Yeah. That was a, like a, a atomic bomb in the music business because yeah. it sold. I can't remember how many millions of copies right. for a live came, album too. Right. Because right. it, it was also right. a live album that did really, really well. Wow. And the that that really changed the music business. Mm. And then Thriller after mm. that, Michael yeah. Jackson's Thriller, which sold even more. Yeah. Nobody at the time knew that you could sell that many copies of of one record. Oh. And so um, record companies completely changed. And it wasn't like this was headline news or anything. We kind of had to figure this out kind of after the fact and kind of by piecing things together. Record companies realized that they could make so much money by doing records like that that they were just going to get rid of everything else. Wow. And so, like you said, you know, I kind of grew up in that whole fusion weirdo music <laughs> world. And, you know, there was a place for that in the 70s, you know, that, you know, the record companies would put it out and, you know, you weren't going to get big, but, you know, they figured they could make a little money off it. Right. And that's what, you know, they were happy with that. <laughs> they got rid of all that stuff. They got rid of their classical divisions. They got rid of their fusion. A lot of them got rid of their jazz divisions. And they just kind of focused on that, you know, the we just want that another one of those thrillers. Right, you know, we right. want to sell 27 million copies of one record. <laughs> right. And um, so it kind of left this, this odd little hole in the music business because there were still a lot of people who wanted to listen to something else. You know, maybe in addition to listening to, to great big pop records, they wanted to listen to something different. And the whole New Age thing kind of snuck in right in that hole because it was completely different. So it was very mellow, instrumental music, you know, that you could put on in the background. At the time, pop music was not that way. It wasn't really wasn't really all that good background music. This was kind of the opposite. Mm. You couldn't dance to New Age. Right, right. You know, it was just... You know, you could sit down and listen to it if you wanted or not. You know, it was kind of that vibe. And because of that, it became huge, became massive. Wow. And so I went from, you know, starving artist to playing these huge places in mm. really just a couple of years. Um, I kind of got in, you know, you know, the, just around my friends who were, were doing this. And can you and, name some of those friends for us? Yeah, my... um. 
it's it's funny uh, at the time so i had been playing mostly fusion mm-hmm. music like kind of my training was as a jazz musician and i had been doing mostly fusion music in the late 70s and i met this guy named michael hedges yeah. who was an amazing musician and it's it's going to sound weird but at the time he was not really that great a guitar player <laughs> <laughs> it does sound weird. That is weird. I mean, because Michael Hedges, weird? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. At the time, you know, he was he was good. Mostly, he was just a really good musician. Uh-huh. And it's kind of funny because he's often now, like if you see 25 greatest guitar players of all time, he's yes. often on that list. Yes, indeed. Which, if you had told us that in the late 70s, we would have wondered what you were smoking. <laughs> and if we could get some of that, too. <laughs> Pass um, it. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, so I, I met him and, and we got we became really close friends right away. And he was he was making this really beautiful but very sophisticated kind of mellow guitar music. Mm. And in a way it was kind of periphery of new age because it was what he was doing was kind of more chamber music than than new age music, but it fit. Yeah. And so he got a, a record deal with this company, Wyndham Hill Records, who nobody had ever heard of, but they were just blowing up. And they they became it became really huge, and yeah. uh, uh, I played on Michael's first record on the label, and the guys at the label heard me, and then they just hired me to play. On any time they needed bass on a record, they would hire me. So I played on a whole bunch of their records, and it was uh, really big through the uh, up to the late '80s. It was, you know, it was really a big deal. I got two gold records yeah. from them. It's funny, I have three gold records. <laughs> two of them are New Age, and the other one's from uh, it's uh, electronic music. Nice. There's a band called Roiksop uh-huh. that sampled me. Oh, okay. and they did. They did really well. Yeah. It's a Swedish band, I think. And so those are my three gold records. That's amazing. <laughs> when when, crazy. when, uh, when they went to clear the, your sample... Which I don't know. Did they clear it legally? Did they go through the proper channels to clear it, or did you have to come back and? Unfortunately, they did not. Ah. I mean, they. You know, I don't think they had knew about me or this uh-huh. even the kind of music I was doing or anything. But somebody had given them a little bit of me doing a solo piece, mm. which which they liked and assumed. You know, it was. I think they assumed it was royalty free. Yeah. But you know, it, th- that piece when I recorded it. That, um, as I say, the New Age thing got kind of big, so we were major label at that point. And by the time they sampled it, it, it was and it was owned by Sony and oh. still is owned by Sony. Oh wow! And so you know, their lawyers. I, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't really do anything. Their yeah. lawyers saw that and like, hey. went to action. And, and <laughs> hey there, buddy! So, now I own part of their record. So, <laughs> which you know, I mean, what you know, like people, people, you know. Producers, I should say, like especially producers that uh, you know I talk to a lot. You know, they're just like it, it, it's weird when they're like, you know, yeah, I just took the sample from this, took the sample for that. I'm like, wow, how did you clear all these samples? It's like, no, there's no clearing involved. And it's like, well, if anything, you should we should all be taking a big lessons from the Beastie Boys and like understand that this is all gonna come back and bite you in the ass. And yeah. And even though these guys, you know, in Sweden were, you know, like, oh, this is some obscure little piece and no one's going to know. Or even if they thought about it, you know, like, I don't even know if that was a thing that they thought about at that time. Uh, You know, and then here it comes, Sony and the lawyers. I mean, it's much harder to do it now. It's much harder. Yeah. And, you know, I 
I don't think I would have even found out about it, but um, some of you may know the band Meshuga. Oh, yes. And and um, the their bass player was a friend of mine at the time. They'd have a different bass player now, mm. but uh, he called he called me up and said, hey, did you hear this? They, they sampled your stuff. Are you getting credit for that? And so that's that's how I found out about it. <laughs> the bass player but, from Meshuga. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a strange... Uh, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a very strange... I'm not really into genres of music. Yeah. <laughs> I just like, I like specific things uh -huh. in, in kind of every genre. Yeah. I so I don't, I'm not, I don't really like following, like staying in my lane. And that's part of the thing about not being mainstream is, right. you know, I'm, I love listening to technical metal as much as I listen, love listening to new age or, yeah. you know, it's I listen to a lot of Indian music. I listen to a lot yeah. of chamber music, you know, it's, it, and I like I like a lot of pop music too, mm -hmm. so it's, it's all good. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I, I love I, I love Indian music, and, and in fact, that was one of the sort of things because <clears throat> I had a because um I was a I had a guitar, I was a guitarist, and I, my first band there was three guitars, and they're like somebody needs to get a bass, and I'm like I'll get a bass. <laughs> so that I was bass by default. My wife says it's my best instrument. I don't know about that, but uh, <laughs> but but I got my frets removed. Because of, um, I, I actually got them shaved off, and they just put some lacquer on it. So they shaved off the frets, and then they lacquered over it, and then so you could still see the fret lines and stuff, uh, which was good for me because I mean at that time I was just terrible. Uh, so, it, but but my dream was like to be able to get those frets and be able to do those really interesting. Um, um, bends that you're able to do with like a sitar, like Ravi Shankar, to get those like really, um, oh, I forgot what they're called, but the notes between the Western scale, you know, those... Um, the gamakas, yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. So like that was my big dream. Is that something that you've ever... Microtonal, thank you, Pizza Jams. Uh, another word, uh, uh, the Western word for it, I suppose. Uh, but, but, the, but, but was that ever... Um, uh, a genre of music that you ever attempted to tackle uh, and maybe I missed it over your career, but like, uh, I mean, you do these interesting slides that definitely border on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Big time. Actually. Mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm a student of, of mostly Carnatic, which is a Southern form of Indian music, but mm -hmm. there's also, I'm also very into the Northern form, which is Sweet. Hindustani. And some people may know that that music is like, how can you say it's, it's, it's at least as academic as classical music. Yeah, it's really, really complex. It's really, really involved. It's really, really, really hard. Yes. Um, now I'll never be, I'll, I'll never be able to play like, like real Indian classical music. First of all, I kind of play the wrong instrument. Um, <laughs> kind of. But, and I would have had to start like when I was two to really, <laughs> you know, be a heavy hitter. Right. Um, but, you know, that, that's kind of not what I want to do anyway. Right. It's, they just have, you know, it's an amazing, amazing forms of music in India. And they have all this stuff that they're doing, some of which we do, some of which we don't do. And I just try to learn from it and borrow what I can. Yeah. And I guess I should be, I should do the music nerd thing and say that, uh, 
just point out that their music is not, strictly speaking, their music is not microtonal. Okay. That, that that's actually would be a, the wrong term to oh, use in, in the strict sense. Great. Although it's like in terms of intonation, uh-huh. like like in that sense, it's really, really finely tuned. Mm-hmm. So when when they move from one note to another, they do it in a, you know, you, you would not believe how well they have figured that stuff out. Yeah. But they actually are using, using like the same number of notes we are, uh-huh. and that's one of the bizarre things about it. They have this very, very old, very, very highly developed form of music, and yet for some bizarre reason they use the same basic notes we we do. They tune them differently and variably depending mm-hmm. on what they're playing. But everybody all over the world uses this same basic sonic palette and nobody knows exactly why well uh, yeah i mean it's it's definitely uh i mean like it, it's just something that i was never ever able to wrap my head or my hands around um and, and i mean and it was just obviously it's just i didn't work on it hard enough and like you said you start at two if you're trying to be a hardy a, a heavy yeah. hitter in that scene <laughs> you know in the in the uh, the the classical indian scene there uh, but but no, I, I, I love that. I, I love that aspect of what the, a fretless bass uh, allows you to because it does break down those barriers. And I used to call frets a jail. You know, these right, are right. jail bars. They are in a way. They I mean, are. It's, it's, it's kind of amazing. That might be that might be kind of a new frontier of music, actually, is mm. not necessarily you know, ending up with more notes. Like we have 12 notes in the octave yeah. and a lot of people have tried putting more notes in the octave yeah. and it doesn't seem to really work that well, but how you tune those 12 notes yeah. may end up being kind of a big deal in the future. And there are people who are very, very into it. I still study actually. And I study from a guy who's like, you know, really, really advanced uh. in like, you know, what it means if this note is, you know, three cents sharper in this context than it is in that context. Whoa. And it's pretty fascinating. We'll see We'll see where it's all going. But it's, as I say, it's a lifetime of study to, yeah. to learn how to do these kind of fretless things where, where you can move from one note to another note in very, uh, in very interesting ways. Mm-hmm. And then when you get there, which you know, which version of it is really expressing what you want to express. Just, you know, whether you move it a little this way or a little that way. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. It, yeah, it's really interesting and 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 crazy complicated to, like, uh, to, to pull off. Uh, it, it, I mean, like, uh, again, I'm not the greatest at the fretless, but I, I find it, you know, like, it just seems like you're the type of guy that needs to have that freedom, you know, like, like you can't just be... You can't just do one thing. Like you're not gonna just play new age for the rest of your life. Like, like so. Like so. When you when you when I look at your look at the hyper bass, like that completely makes sense to me. You know, like that is like you need as much freedom to like express because like that's just who you are as a person. Uh, would you agree with that? I mean, I, I think so. Yeah, I think so. It's always. Um, you always have to have some kind of limitations in an art form because that's that's what defines things. If you have no limitations at all, you're kind of lost and at sea. Mm. But the trick is to choose those the limitations wisely, you know. Mm. 
and um, then then things kind of blossom. If you have you have no limitations at all, it's, you're kind of like, well, what, where do I even start? Right. But if you have the right kind of set of limitations, then you go, oh, right, I can do this, 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 and this, and this, and I don't have to worry about that right. because you know that's that's not part of my my uh, artistic worldview at the moment, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, you're right. It's all about trying to figure out what limitations to embrace and which ones to completely, <laughs> completely rebel against. Right, right, for sure. And um, can, we, can we talk a little bit about the hyperbase? Uh, I know. Sure. I, I mean, it's sure, a... I've got it right here if oh, you want to... please, please pull that thing out. Let's, let's yeah, look yeah. at that beautiful masterpiece. This is it? Um, and, yeah, now, yeah. and then uh, they're called the Zahn... Michael Manring hyperbase? Is that the official name? That's exactly it. So um, this base was made by a guy named Joe Zahn. We designed it together, and then he built it. And it's, I mean, it's, uh, so it's, we did it in 1991. Is that 30 years ago? That is. That so is 30 years. This base is 30 years old, and wow. it, it has the scars to prove it. I don't know if you can see. It's got, oh, you know, yeah, it's pretty... I see those those scars in the back there. That that thing's been dropped. Um... <laughs> yes, it has. And it no longer it's, it no longer says Zahn up here. It just Zo. says Zah. Oh, Zah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really, it's really getting beat up. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I always, I love, you know, I hate it when I, obviously it sucks every time you gash your, 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 your axe, you know, but. But I always call them like war wounds, you know, like these are just, this is battle scars, man. This is like from the road. This is like from the front lines. And um, I've learned to embrace it because I don't ever see me parting with my instruments. You know what I mean? Like I just, these are mine. I don't care if it's scratched. This is my scratch that I right. get. <laughs> from, <laughs> no, absolutely. I yeah. mean, this this baby's been around the world more times than I can count, and I'm sure I've got the same war wounds it has. Yeah. But, you know, we've <laughs> yeah. it's been a good companion in all these crazy sure. journeys. So, but uh, yeah. The reason why I even was sort of, you know, brought up the hyper bass and sort of this freedom thing is because this bass is very unique in its tuning. Also, my friend Zach Hutner, who is a, a fantastic bass player, would hate me if I didn't ask this. Did did you and Zahn come up with the spider capo too? We did not. Oh, okay. I don't even own a, a spider capo. Okay, Thank no. you for asking. It's, I, I'm, it's on my list of things to buy as uh -huh. soon as I have that much more disposable income. <laughs> but, you know, you know, the disposable income hasn't really been coming in that much these days. So Yeah, I understand, man. It is, it is hard times out here. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, the, the – the, okay, so anyways, besides the spider capo um, – can you uh the the tuning on that thing is wild so yes. so can you kind of go through <laughs> some of the the tuning and, and you know just give us a quick over oh i guess it don't have to be quick give us an overview of your bass and uh please I'd absolutely love to, i'd love to absolutely yeah so one of the things that struck me when i first started playing the bass is that i realized it sounded good when I didn't tune it the way I was supposed to, you know, your first lesson, they tell you how to tune the bass. Right. And when I didn't tune it that way, I thought, well, this sounds kind of cool. I wonder <laughs> why I can't tune it that way. And, you know, I'd ask my teacher and they say, don't do that. Just tune it the Just way don't. you're supposed to. And I'd ask my friends and they say, yeah, don't do that. But, you know, on my own, I'd say, screw that. I'm going to tune it weird and play, play weird things in my room. Of course. 
And, um, you know, I did that from the time I was 10 years old onward. And I did listen to what people said and didn't do it very often because I figured mostly what they said is, yeah, nobody's ever going to want to hear you do that. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I couldn't really let go of the concept because it was so much fun. And little by little, I did more and more. And actually meeting Michael Hedges, the guy I was talking about, he was really big on tuning his guitar really weird. And by that time, I just said, you know, screw it. I'm going to tune however I want. Hell yeah. And just, I, I just had a blast with it. Every time you change the tuning, you get all these kind of new colors and stuff. And it's, you know, it's really fun. Yeah. And um, bass is incredibly stable. It's, it may be, it might be, the most stable musical instrument there is. And so you can tune it like mad. There, with guitar, there are limitations. Yeah. At least with acoustic guitar, there are limitations on how far you can tune it. I don't think there are many with the bass. Yeah. I mean, the it's more the strings that are the limitation. You know, if you tune it too high, you'll break a string. Right. And I just found all these tunings, and, and I thought, well, this is so much fun. I shouldn't stop there. I should start changing tunings while I'm playing. <laughs> of course. And of course. I mean, right? <laughs> why not? I mean, why, why limit yourself to one at a time? <laughs> I, got, I feel you. So, you know, I would turn the tuning keys while I was playing and get mm -hmm. it, try to get another tuning. And it was really cool, but it wasn't really, you know, it's slow and cumbersome. And I thought, you know, there are, there are little mechanical devices that can do this that can't be that hard <laughs> and so i started talking to guitar builders about this in the late 80s and saying hey can you make me a bass that has little machines on it that will you know i can instantly flip to a different tuning and they all thought that was really really weird <laughs> and yeah. did, didn't want it you know wouldn't take my phone calls after that <laughs> um and that's kind of went on and on until i met joe's on and he said, "Oh yeah, we could definitely do that for you." And I think, <laughs> sure, bring always, it on uh, I, yeah, I was always wondered if he regretted that ever since. Yeah, but he jumped in and you know t totally took on the challenge, and so so that's what we did with this instrument. We um, there, I can change the tuning at both ends. There are these mechanisms at both ends of the string that allow me to change the tuning. Up here, I don't know if you can see. It's kind of dark, but there are little there's little mechanisms on each tuning key, and that allows me to change the tuning of each string separately. So I can go, and then then I'm in a different tuning, and I can choose these any way I want to do. Wow! And so that's fun. Yes. It but is. we didn't want to stop there. So at this <laughs> Never. end. Right. Why? Never I mean, stop. If we didn't if we don't have to, why why yeah, stop? Exactly. But uh, at this end, this is kind of a this was a project, this bridge. So with the bridge, I can change the tuning of all the strings at once. Here if I want to change all four, you know, I have to go. That's about as fast as I can do it, you know. But here I can change all four strings just by doing this. Uh, now the whole thing's down a whole step. And so there, there I can do three tunings of the whole bass down here, and they can be. I don't have to change all all four strings with this. I can leave some of them the same. I can change two, one string, two string, three strings with this. Nice. But here it's it's all 
uh, one at a time. And so having this dual system is really nice because that means I can really move through a lot of tunings. Right. And I found I really liked the sound of the tunings changing. Yeah. One of the things I didn't know when we were building this bass, I didn't know if, like, as I moved a tuning, if I'd have to kind of mute that string or stop playing somehow if it would make some horrible grinding sound. Yeah. But I, I, I found the opposite, actually. I found that I really like this sound like this. I mean, I just like that sound of everything kind of moving. I mean, it gives it a completely different sound. I mean, it almost sounds like a synthesizer of some kind, you know? It, it just, just the movement of it, you know? Exactly. Although I would, I would say that a synthesizer sounds like this. Uh, but I suppose that's, yeah. a, that's a, you know, that's a, a point of of we're, opinion. We're getting schooled today, folks. We're getting schooled today. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, oh, please don't apologize. I told you I'm a music nerd. I appreciate that because because I, I I fancied myself as one, but I I didn't have the, the the fortitude to stick with it. You know, like I just I wanted to. I, I pictured myself as this virtuoso by the time. I my age now as a young man and then somewhere along the line that just all went like bye <laughs> yeah. yeah you have to I mean again like like being a, a rock star it, it it takes a certain I think maybe you, you hit it on the right word it takes a certain fortitude you have to have um, you have to really be into yes. it I mean do, I mean even dealing with this instrument for me it's a joy yeah. I love it but like when I change strings it takes about two hours <sighs> change the strings <laughs> yeah. just to get everything back ready to go wow. and you know i i love it i don't mind but you know I, I i've been doing this for 30 years yeah so you know you have to be you have to be that kind of person right right and you know that's that's me that's, no, it, that's, that's what i do that's absolutely right i remember in, in college i had a professor who was a bass player uh, he uh, he said, you know, if if this isn't something that you can see yourself doing every day and loving right. it every day of every moment of it, then yeah. this probably isn't for you. And that yeah. stuck with me a lot. And 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 because there are, you know, obviously everybody has days where they don't want to practice, but you pick up right. and you you just do it because you know you got to do it because that's what you got to do. And it's just hours and hours and hours. But I, I just it, I it, I feel like just. It has to grab your attention, and and I'm just that kind of person, and a lot of people are, where it's like they, I just sort of follow where the energy is sort of flowing, and and, and some people flow towards the very complex, you know, Michael Manring style <laughs> of music nerdum, and then some people just go with, you know, I really love pop, I really respect these things, not much of a jazz guy, but you know, it's like. I, I found comfort in, in what I do. And even though, like, music is probably one of the most, like, my musicality, I'm very insecure about. And, and as you could tell, I was like, okay, Michael, I'm going to play this melodica. <laughs> but it's just like, I, I don't know, man. You, you know, it's just, it, you have to have some, it has to be something that's just really set inside of you to sort of go with the first. I mean, it's like someone who play like LeBron James and some guy who plays hoops on the court, you know, at yeah. the park every day. You know, it's like, it, it, it's, that difference of drive and, and fortitude and, and, and situation and you know like it just so much in, is uh, revolves around what it takes to be an, an elite athlete musician artist whatever it is and and, and, and you know I think it's great that not everybody's like that yeah and, exactly 
because that would life would be incredibly boring. <laughs> and I, I think in a way, everybody probably has a, a, a way that you know, because probably everybody has passions, right? But they tend not to be probably not as you know singular, like playing weird bass. Is, right, you know, right. It's pretty, pretty, pretty tiny little thing to be into. And yeah. I think for a lot of people, it's just a little bit more broad. And and you know, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but it's always it's always good to to follow those passions. Right. And the the musical one is interesting. Because, you know, as I say, you know, being a music nerd my whole life, ever since I was a little kid, you find out this interesting thing that, <clears throat> you know, you'd like to say, you know, after years and years of dedicating your absolute life to it and sacrificing everything else to it, that you have some special arcane knowledge that nobody else has. Yeah. But kind of what you end up realizing is that you're just you just kind of have names and frames of reference for things that that everybody has mm -hmm. that everybody already has yeah. that's the kind of interesting thing about it so you already know everything about music that ever needs to be known and everybody out there who has never doesn't even know the difference between a c and a c sharp yeah. you already know everything about music that needs to be known that you know the only only things there are to do if you want to know more is just listen, listen deeply and yeah. listen, you know, fully. And if you want to find out what the names are and the, you know, connections between things, that's lovely. But if not, you're still, you're getting all of it just by listening. You're getting everything there right. is because that's all music is. It's, it's experiential. And, uh, you know, the, if, if there's no experience, then there's no music. That's all that, that makes it go. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I just say I holler professionally. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate it. Okay, so so news. This is just breaking right now. Facebook and uh, other apps officially hack 1.5 billion users' info being sold. Wow! Seriously? That's what's happening right now. That's why uh, Facebook wow. is down. That's why all these are down. So. Did they take it down themselves because of this? Or I think it was they... an attack. I think they, it was a full-on attack. Yeah, it was a it was a wow. hack. So yeah, so there you go. If you were if you're already uh, on the fence on your your personal information being sold and shared on Facebook and Instagram, well now rest assured, it definitely <laughs> right. is to the worst kind of people. So there it is. Wow, that's amazing. I'm gonna send that quote to my high school music teacher. <laughs> yes, please. No, which is a shame because sometimes, you know, it's a shame when kids are have their creativity snuffed out by by uh, instructors or parents and stuff. Right. You know, at such a right. You know, we might be getting the next Mozart, but that's just snuffed out. How was this? Your, is, oh, please go ahead. Yeah, this is a real pet peeve of mine. Yeah, me too. Actually, me too. I don't know why, but. In in music, there's I, I and you know I don't have a lot of perspective because music is uh, you know it's kind of all I've ever really done, mm. but there's an awful lot of uh, shall I say pretentiousness in it. Yes, there I is. I mean, it's, it's kind of weird yeah, when there kind of doesn't need to be. There there are elements of music that are kind of like rocket science, like like we were talking about intonation, right? If it, and that's kind of interesting because there you can just decide 
to go this far and you're done then yeah. that works perfectly. But if you want to keep going in it, you know, it's like, it's, it's so limited. complex. Yeah. You know, you can't unbelieve how complex it is. But either level works beautifully, mm -hmm. works just fine. Very few people, in fact, have ever gone into that stratospheric level. But most of music really isn't that complicated. I mean, you can learn everything you would ever need to know to be a professional musician really you can learn the f the facts of it in a year or two mm. now to be able to to play well that takes that takes a really long time that's going right. to take years and years and years but in terms of the knowledge you know the kind of practical nuts and bolts knowledge you know this it's just not there's just not that much to it really now if you want to go on and and explore more you can spend your whole life studying and it's fascinating but you, you're ending up at that point you're kind of ending up studying like very specific kinds of ways that music works like like how people wrote counterpoint in the 18th century you know mm -hmm. and that it's really hard and it takes a long that that alone takes years but nobody writes counterpoint that way anymore so you know it's not really practical right. i mean you can in fact you can understand what's happening without you know really being a master of it in much much less time so it's kind of a funny thing about music but i, I i've always wondered if it's because music is kind of i'm sure it's relatively less complex than say biology mm -hmm. I, I i'm sure that there's just less going on with music than <laughs> with something like biology and um i think maybe musicians and maybe mu music teachers kind of feel bad about that so they try to make it more complicated than it is <laughs> i don't know i don't know man I, I i really don't i i honestly i think it has a lot to do with just communication skills because you can teach mm. i feel like you know someone like neil de neil degrasse tyson talks about very complex things that are way beyond uh, right. you know music even uh, but he makes it in a way that is palatable and that you can understand kind of most of the time, maybe, <laughs> you know? So, like, I, I really do think, you know, uh, I guess the aspect I was going from is that there are, you know, in instructors or even parents can be, uh, you know, negative towards the whole career path or the right. choice of right, it. Right. And and right. even, even you know, even instructors, music teachers can be destructive in people's lives um, just right. by being negative about something or, or like you're saying, like maybe they're trying to make things uh, more complex than they need to be. And, right, right. And for me, it was my guitar teacher just was a chain smoker in a, in a, in a, like in a oh, three by man. three room. So like, I just, oh man, that. so, oh, that's so painful. I, so, so I was like this six year old going, <coughs> all right, let's do, yeah. let's learn guitar. <laughs> so, yeah. So that turned me off for a long time, but uh, you know, it, it's just one of those things that I don't know if it's culture. I, I talk to a lot of people from around the world, and it seems like, um, you know, this idea of 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 becoming an artist as a career is always sort of looked down upon, and yeah. or, or not always, but at least you know, in, in a lot. It, 
a lot of times. Uh, I'm wondering if you had to face that at all. If you had instructors or if you, if your parents uh, by any, you know, uh, did you ever have to, uh, you know, feel like you're pushing a big boulder up the hill just to play music? Or, or uh, did you have anybody who was like, hey, you can't do that? Which I assume that you've had a lot of people in your life tell you you can't <laughs> do that. And then you're like, no, I'm pretty sure I can. And then did. So, so I mean, thank God you had the fortitude to work through that. But, but as a young man, Mannering was there was there people that are trying to stand in your way? I mean, and I'm, obviously, I'm not trying to be, you know say someone's be like, no, you're not going to do this. But did you ever have any resistance uh, in your lifetime from instructors or uh, family or anything like that? Oh yeah, yeah, it was a tough sell in the Mannering household. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my um, it's my family's relatively musical. My father's father was a, a great, a really great clarinetist and conductor, actually, in Cleveland. In fact, he ended up being in charge of all music in the Cleveland schools. And, a, you know, really hardcore, serious musician. And he, he married a cellist. And then on the other side, my, my mom's mom was a singer in vaudeville. So it's kind of a lot of music in the family. But, you know, my parents grew up during the Depression. Uh, and yeah. my dad's, you know, view of, you know, he, he always thought of his dad as, you know, dude, you know, you got to, this is not, this is not <laughs> bringing home the bacon. We're starving and you're, and you're out right. there blowing your whistles or whatever. Right, right. <laughs> What's up, so Papa? My dad, my dad joined the military. He went uh, completely the other direction. Wow. And, um... So they let me take music lessons, mm-hmm. but boy, they were, it was, it was a, it was a tough sell and they never really felt that good about it, you know, mm. and, you know, rightly so it's a, you know, it was always kind of a sketchy way yeah. to make a living. Yeah. Um, but easy. yeah, they, they, they were, they, it, they were not happy about it. They right. ended up being extremely tolerant, I guess is what I should say, because they, you know, they really didn't like the whole the whole thing. Yeah. But they were really tolerant. They paid for music lessons wow. when I was a kid, and they allowed me to to go to music school. Um, but it was, I think it was, uh, that was a tough one for them. Fortunately for me, I grew up in a neighborhood that you know we were all music nerds. There was mm-hmm. you know a whole mass of us, and we all encouraged each other and yeah. challenged each other. At the time I was growing up, <laughs> it was a, a different time in terms of teaching. Sort of the default teaching style was, um, what's that movie about the drummer? Drumline? With, um, Gene Krupa story? It, it's, uh, <laughs> it's somewhere the, in between those. So. Um, yeah, it's the drummer who's, uh, is it Whiplash? Is that the name of it? I don't and know. And his teacher just, you know, is endlessly, you know, c- cruel to him. Uh um, I can't remember. I th- maybe it's called Whiplash. A guy who's a jazz drummer and and his, you know, teacher and band leader is a drummer and just criticizes him. And yeah, they're saying it's constantly. Whiplash. It's Whiplash. Yeah, right. It's whiplash. So that was a typical day in my life growing up. I mean, I had teachers that were worse than that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, teachers who who would actually, you know, who would actually hit you, who would actually strike you and yeah. and you know punch you in the face if they <laughs> oh thought you weren't God. playing well. I mean, it was. Do it, brother. Yeah. Seriously, that that there was that. I had really sweet teachers too. Well, that's but good. Um, so it was a little it was a little intense that part of it. 
Some of the meanest people I ever met were my music teachers. Well, that's but, part of it, yeah. You know, they took it seriously, and yeah. that was just a thing. Yeah. I mean, you know the stories about Beethoven's father hit him with a belt. Right. You know, and, you know, ended up working on some level. He ended up being a great musician. Wonderful, so, wonderful musician. <laughs> maybe there's something to be said for that, but well, I wouldn't wish it on anybody. No, you yeah. know, if there's any way to, to not do it that way, then right. we should definitely try not to do it that way. And right. I think you can. Oh, Schubert's yeah, father so, did the same while drunk. Right. Thank you for yeah. that, Scon. Thank you. Yeah, it was I mean that was sort of par for the course for a long time, and it's kind of nice that we're moving away from that. Yeah. But yeah, it was you know there were always people there who were nays- naysayers, and now that we have the internet, you know you're yes. you're exposed to it, you know, oh. twenty four hours a day. <laughs> people who tell you you should not be doing what you're doing, <laughs> and uh, I. I probably shouldn't say this, but I really, I really like that. Yeah, you do. I, I really, it's always, yeah, it's always. I mean, it it depends a lot on you know what's being said and mm-hmm. who's who's saying it. But um, it it is pretentious to say, and I'm I apologize for that. But, please, no. You know, if you're not if you're not rubbing somebody the wrong way, you're not that's trying hard enough. That's, that's <laughs> especially right. in music. That's right. That's right. What that's that line is like. If no one's hating on you, then no one's listening to you. So it's like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like it, it 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 is good because people are sitting there. When I get like. Towards the beginning of the show, I, I got this long email from this lady who was so <laughs> angry, who was like talking spe- on specific points, like uh, almost like timeline, like and and these used to go on for hours and hours because I didn't know yeah. I was doing, but it was like she went through like a three hour podcast and like was naming everything that that she didn't like about the show, and then you know, and I was like, well. I guess it's cool. She listened to the show at least. Right, right, <laughs> at least right. she's listening. And that's just sort of how you got to take it, I guess. It's like, uh, I mean, on the other hand, it can be kind of destructive, you know? Like if everybody yeah. in your chat, everybody in the comments are just like, you suck, you should die, yeah, yeah. you know? Like all these horrible things. And, and yeah, the, and really it, horrible. Yeah, yeah. Um, how do you like how the internet has, what the internet has done to the, to the music industry? Do you like what it's done to it? I mean, it's fascinating, isn't it? I, I mean, it's really absolutely. incredible. The, the music business has changed so much yes. since I've been in it. I mean, it's really, I mean, you you really can't conceive of what it was like in the late 70s. It's, yeah. you know, when you think about what it was then, you know, if trying to explain it to somebody who wasn't there, you wouldn't believe it yeah. because the things, you know, things were so different. It's, it's fascinating. And of course, you know, there's good and bad yeah. in what the internet's done. There's some great things, there's some bad things. Um, but I, I don't think I'd trade it. I don't think I'd trade it because it's there's so much, you know, the exchange of information and just being able to hear all this music. I mean, it used to be really hard to, to even get access to music. I used to spend a lot of time at the library yes. going through, you know, whatever record collection they would have Mm -hmm. and you know to have access to all kinds of amazing music you know all the time is really really extraordinary and it's kind of cool to be you know to to have everybody's opinions right out there (laughs) for you you know it's kind of in the old days the the only way you would get that is when you got a review in the paper and that wouldn't happen that often i mean it was kind of 
you kind of had to talk the reviewer into coming to your show instead of somebody else's. Yeah. And now, you know, you anything you do, you're going to get a thousand reviews <laughs> from uh, of all kinds. And that's kind of cool because it, you know instantly, you know instantly what's going on and what, how it's, how people, how it's affecting people. And, you know, if you want, you can, you can kind of use that as part of the process because you can, because in the past you had to just guess, well, if I'm doing this, people probably like it when I do this. They probably don't like it so much when I do that. And should I do more of what they like and less of what they don't like? Or should I do the opposite? You know? Yeah. So these can be part of the creative decisions. And the negative stuff is kind of interesting. You know, the, the, the best music teacher I ever had was um, that I, my friend who produced my first record, Unusual Weather, his name's Bob Reed. And he, um, he's a, a really great saxophonist. He, he was playing with Bruce Hornsby for many years. He was Bruce Hornsby's saxophonist, but I don't, I don't know if he's still doing that. But it was great because he hated everything. <laughs> He hated everything. Everything I played was not good enough. Everything he played was not good enough. Everything anybody played was not good enough. And that was that was so liberating to me because I I was so worried. I was at the time I was doing that. I was in my uh, I was about twenty four, and I was so worried if I was cool enough, if I was you know if I was a badass. <laughs> and to him, it's like nobody's a badass. Nobody plays this stuff well enough. And you know, he would he would play, and he would hate everything he played. And, and it was great. And it was great because everything everything was equal, and it was never good enough. That and and that really to me that was so liberating because that's that it was just true. Yeah, it's like you're never going to be a badass. Music <laughs> is really really hard. Right, you're never going to be play it well enough. You know, so just do the best you can, yeah. and then just shut up and and live with that. Right, yeah. <laughs> working to to make it, try to make it not utterly disgusting. Try to make it just get to the point where you play badly, and then you should be, you know, should be happy that you've gotten that that good. <laughs> so I I really got a lot out of that. For me, it was a really good experience. So often the you know the negative stuff can be very effective. Yeah. In those lines, I mean, you need you need the positive stuff as well. Right. And, they're definitely, uh, you know, people who've been supportive one way or another, online or not, and you know, said things that you know literally keep you going for years. You know, yeah. just thinking, wow, I, you know, that's that's going to help me get through this this difficult time or that that difficult time. So it's an interesting mix of of uh, yeah. of motivations, I guess. Is yeah. what it is. Could could you see yourself doing anything else? Like if if like if if like if you got you know if you couldn't use your hands anymore, what what would you want to do? Or if um, you couldn't play bass, or you know, like if you just you couldn't like if if you, music was not an option anymore, what would you want to do? Yeah, if music wasn't an option, I think about this sometimes. I did pretty well in school, hmm. and I remember at that point, kind of in my senior year of high school, thinking. Should I really do this music thing? Because as I told you, my parents were like, "Whatever you do, don't do do music as a living. Just that's that's really a stupid thing." And I tried to think about what else I could do, and it was, I mean, it was really hard to to think of anything. I mean, I would would have had to choose something kind of at random. Yeah. What would your parents would wanted you to do? What did they want you to do? My dad really wanted me to be in in the military. Ah. 
but I, I'm not, I'm not cut out for that. I don't have the, um, I guess, I guess the courage. I don't have the courage mm. that it, it takes. I admire those people enormously who do it. And anybody who's listening, thank you so much Absolutely. for that service. Absolutely. Hats off but, to, uh, uh, to our, to our, uh, to our military, much love and respect. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm not, not really into violence either. either. So that kind of, that kind yeah. of put the, the nicks on that. I would have loved to have done that for my dad, but I actually liked the discipline part of it a lot. Yeah. That part I was all in, all about, but the, having the courage and, and the violence part of it, I just, that I wouldn't have lasted long. Absolutely, man. But Absolutely. I think, um, I think if I really couldn't, I think if I really couldn't do music at all, I think maybe I would get into um, artificial intelligence. Oh, crap. Okay. Okay. If, if I could hang, I mean, I don't know <laughs> if I've got the chops to hang with that. Yeah. But I think my guess is that's going to change the world. My guess yeah. is that. It's a, I'm not sure, and the, even the people in it aren't really sure nope. what's going on. No. But it's that's heavy stuff, and I think it has an enormous potential. And I would love to to know how how that's working. Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely. What, so, what do you think? So, when when the when the machines finally do become sentient, and they will become sentient, like there are people right now working day and night and trying to find it. So, this is something that's gonna happen. Um, once the machines do become sentient, do you think it's, let's work along with the humans or is it enslave the humans or is it destroy all humanity? What, which, what camp do you lie in? Right. I mean, what, I mean, it's fascinating, isn't it? I mean, yes. it's pretty, pretty freaking trippy. It's very trippy. Um, it's not I that guess, far away either. I guess, first of all, I'd say it's, it seems like a really bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> to make a sentient machine, you know, yeah, I, it seems yeah. like a, just a, a bad idea because, um, you know, um, well, there's this philosophy called antinatalism. Some people might mm. be familiar with it, and it's just a philosophy that you don't really have the right to make a conscious being, you know, because that being doesn't have the choice in the matter of whether to to be. So it's there's kind of a basic immorality there, and I'm not. I'm not an antinatalist myself. I have kids myself. Yeah. But it's, you know, there's something to be said for that. There's a logic in that. And in that sense, I'm not sure it really makes sense to make conscious machines, um, especially, a, you know, if you make a machine that can suffer, that's it's not really a good idea. First of all, there's a lot of consciousnesses already. Yeah. <laughs> lots of consciousness. Right. I'm not sure that's what we need. I right. think we need just machines that can like get right answers to really complex questions. I think that's what we need. Yes. And so I, I hope they'll work more along those lines. And, you know, wild guess what the machines would do. I mean, I, I guess they'd kind of do what we do. Mm. Like, like um, you know, we don't, we don't wipe out species just because we can. They're interesting and we... You know, we put them in zoos and try to keep keep them alive in the wild. Mm -hmm. Wild guess is, you know, if the machines kind of completely take over, they'd kind of treat us that way. They'd mm. say we're interesting and they would 
take care of us in some way, but they keep us kind of contained. <laughs> that, like, that'd be my wild guess. Yeah, let's make sure they don't have access to the bombs. <laughs> These Right, right. <laughs> they obviously don't know what they're doing. They're children. Right, uh, that, that'd be my guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's nice. I, I mean, like, I see it more as, like, I don't I want to call them kids because... Because when you think about what a what a machine can do and how fast it can learn and like once you hook this sentient machine into the internet where it can download and learn everything, I mean, I just see it like I just see it like how we deal with a, a pesky spider or, or yeah. a pesky bug in our house, you know? Like yeah. you're in my house, you traveled in here. Yeah. You uh you have to go because yeah. this is my house and this is my domain and this is what I control and uh yeah. you are not part of that. Right. So I don't know. You know, it, it's hard to say. You we want to think that they'll be our friends and like work hand in hand and, and yeah. skip into the sunset together, but I, I just it's but, it's hard to imagine that. You're right. Any of these options are entirely <laughs> plausible. I mean yes, or exactly. or maybe something Something we don't. I mean, I, yeah. you could definitely see the option where they take over somehow. We never even notice. Yeah, we, st- we think we're still in control, right? And, and they're in control. I mean, like, what may if have they're... already happened? Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We're in a simulation. I mean, right. That, right. Uh, 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 what, what's the uh, you know Elon Musk? He's a uh, he's a uh, he's an interesting character in all of this, and uh, you know he thinks we're in a simulation. Um, but but you know like when you, when you look at things like Neuralink and are you familiar with Neuralink at all? Yeah. And what's going yeah. on with that? <laughs> I mean, do you do you see a future where where musicians and artists are out of work? I mean, because the way it's looking right now, you know, machines are going to take over, and most industry is going to be just taken over by machines, and we're going to most likely have a horrible time with that where you get a bunch of people who have no jobs or any real meaning to their life. They don't have anything to do. So I don't know what's going to happen out that, but I think we got a good taste of that last year when everybody was in lockdown and had nothing to do, but let's, let's go burn things down. Yeah. You know? yeah. So I don't know if that's what's going to happen, but uh, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Humans are kind of... We're unpredictable, but in a very predictable way. You know, it's just like yeah. it's as soon as as soon as the as soon as there's not enough to eat, we get real, or not enough of something, we get real right animalistic. Right. So I I don't know, man. But but uh, do you think that there will be ever a time where AI will actually put musicians out of work? And and this is going to be interesting. Because I think music is kind of low-hanging fruit for this. <laughs> because as I say, it's not really that complicated compared to a lot mm-hmm. of things. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of interesting, you know, what, you know, what is likely to be replaced. Mm-hmm. Like, it's interesting to me, like, the surgeon will probably be replaced, but not the nurse. Right. You know, because mm-hmm. you kind of want the... The nurse there, you know, but the surgeon, you know, you don't you want something that's never ever ever going to make a mistake, right, you know. Right. It's never ever going to come in drunk or having a bad day <laughs> or had a fight with their wife or something. Right. Um, so, but music, I think, since it's you know it really is it's patterns and you know there's only we only use twelve notes basically, and you can kind of gauge people's responses to it if you have enough data. My guess is that. W- it's going to be one of the early things we find out 
what happens. Yeah. And I'm kind of surprised we haven't seen something already. My you know, wild guess is that, um, you know, that there'll be a, a great big hit tune and it'll turn out it was completely created yeah. by some kind of artificial intelligence. And how we're going to process that, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, I, I really have no idea. I mean, honestly, it's amazing to me the success of electronic dance music. <laughs> yeah. Because I remember when that became a possibility and thinking that, well, you know, electronics are really going to revolutionize music, but nobody's ever going to, nobody's ever going to pay to go see somebody just, you know, push a button on a machine and, and let the machine go. And yet, you know, you can see, you know, 40,000 people all paying a lot of money yeah. to, for, you know, basically that same experience and get totally and totally enjoy it and yeah. totally appreciate it. Yeah. So we'll see. It's, you know, it's really... It, it is hard to tell. It's really hard to tell. Yeah. Really hard to well, tell. It, but it, we, we, please, finish. I, I think we might find out pretty relatively soon or, I think so or not. It's hard to say. <laughs> well, I mean, but in terms of music technology, we're kind of close to the end mm -hmm. of music technology because we're already at a place where it's kind of expensive and you have to... You know, you have to be willing to put in the work in, but we're kind of at a place already where you can take any sound and turn it into any other sound. Right. You know, so music technology is kind of kind of at the end of of what it's going to do, mm. and where it goes from here is, you know, is is going to be really interesting to see. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe maybe the maybe AI takes it to that next level. You know, maybe, maybe. It takes it introduces yeah. us to that next that next step. Um, there actually is a uh, Nirvana. Uh, they released a song that uh, Nirvana under the name Nirvana, but it, it it's supposedly a Nirvana song that was composed by AI. Oh, awesome! Um, and then I had <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's interesting. It's not that good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then there's a I had a guest on uh, his his name is Lucas Cantor, and he's a he he does a lot of uh, composing for like uh, he does it for um, like the Olympics for movies for TV. He does a lot of that kind of stuff. Uh, and he had an AI unit finish a, uh, was it Chopin? I can't remember. Yep. Uh, there yeah. was this great unfinished symphony, and he and then AI, AI, quote unquote AI, sort of finished the symphony and he performed it, which I thought was cute and quaint. Uh, but uh, not to disparage what he did, I wasn't trying to be an asshole there, but uh, the, the, um, it's just interesting because there's this uh, there's this writer. He's a f uh, philosopher. Uh, what's his name? Yovan. Oh my gosh. He wrote uh, tw uh, twenty four rules or something for the. Wow, I am just. He wrote Homo Sapien. I know that. Hold on, let me see. Oh, Yuval uh, Hari. Yes. Uh, yes. yes. Uh, you got um, it. I'm missing his last name already. Yeah, fascinating guy. Yeah, he was talking about. Yeah, there is Yuval Noah Harari. There he is. Yuval Noah Harari. He, you know, he was talking about how in the future that the that the AI, you know, like with Neuralink coming down the road, that not only are musicians and artists sort of going to be put out of work, uh, but but AI is going to do it better because they were going to be able to tailor the music <laughs> to a memory. To yeah, to right. to a feeling, to an emotion, to everything, yeah. you know. So they're going to be able to compose music 
tailored to that person in that moment they need it. You know what I mean? Right. So like they're gonna be like, yeah. <laughs> play a song that fits this emo- fits this time, and then all of a sudden it's just gonna create this song that fits perfectly, coming off of emotions and songs and tones that that you know that are buried deep in the recesses of our mind that are associated with different memories and 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 you know like how a smell will will transport you back to you know childhood, and then so all of a sudden it's like you're able to sort of take all these elements that's connected into your brain, but also connected to the internet and whatever it is, the neural net or whatever, and is able to sort of create this tailor-made piece uh, of music or, or a painting that you could see, you know, maybe on your lens <laughs> screen, you know, like your eyeball yeah. screen or whatever it is. It's like, so, so I, I don't know. Do you, do you, would you agree with something like that? Or would you want something like that? Is that something that you would want to see? I don't know. I really don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I suppose... I suppose kind of not, I'd rather not see it, but, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of inevitable, maybe. Right. And, you know, <laughs> it's an interesting thing to think about because they could, you know, the AI could be playing you the piece you most want to hear mm-hmm. that you're most going to get off on right now. Yeah. Or it could be playing you a piece that maybe you don't like so much, mm-hmm. but that's doing the best thing for ah, you that you yes. need. Yeah. Or some combination of those, mm-hmm. or it could be playing you a piece that motivates you, but you like it or don't like it. You know, there's all kinds of things that music does right. that the AI could access. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a, you know, it's a fascinating thing to think about. Um, and so we don't know. You know, we don't know if music... <laughs> As we know it, will be obsolete, and in the future, it's you know we'll we'll just be hearing sounds of some kind that have the effect on us that music has, but you know are really finely tuned mm. in that way to to motivate us in all kinds of possible directions. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit encouraged by the fact that kids are still playing instruments. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But like. On another level, like these YouTube right. players, play really, really, really well. I'm just right. like, no, I absolutely, I agree. Yeah, that's, and I, I don't really know why, because they have so many other things to do. <laughs> I think it's and YouTube, playing, honestly. It's and like, playing an instrument is hard. It I is. Mean, like, like we're saying, I mean, it's years before you even get to the point where it sounds like you know anything at all. <laughs> right. And if you want to be good, then it's you know. Yeah. tens of years unless you're super talented right. right at an early age so yeah that's kind of an kind of amazing to me that that kids that i almost would have thought that that part of it would have been obsolete mm. already yeah but I, people really really want to play well so i that's, think that's cool i think that i think as a as a as a culture we are we're hungry for stuff that we can sort of wrap our hands and, and mind around since everything is comes in like 15 second clips and flash of this and this and your attention's always being grabbed. So like, for instance, how the long form podcast has become very popular and, 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 and how, you know, these kids who are coming up with the internet, with Instagram, with, with, with Snapchat, with, you know, with Twitch, everything that, that they could possibly ever need or want in their life in the hand, you know, like I think somewhere deep inside, uh, we need something that's tactile, you know, like this is, this is how we learn to hunt. This is how we learn to, to clothe ourselves. This is how we learn to touch the person we love. So like somewhere in us, it's this innate thing that we need this 
this physical outlet, you know, or, or we need to hear people talking in more than 15 second, you know, uh, right. <laughs> segments, you know, I mean, like we just need these things that are just buried deep inside of our DNA that, so it doesn't surprise me. And especially when uh, YouTube is basically, I mean, you, uh, you might've heard this term, but YouTube university where people right now are just going over Michael Manring videos over and over right. and over <laughs> and over again. Uh, you know what I mean? So it's like, so they also, have you know this insane amount of knowledge to to pull from and 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 this need to sort of like f fixate on something other than yeah, their phone yeah. you know like it, it's just i i don't know like i i i imagine that's part of it but you know i'm just talking out my ass here so. no no i mean that's really insightful mike i think you really hit on something Maybe. i mean how amazing to be alive at this time yeah when we have you know, TikTok and Twitter, which, you know, my parents would have been, uh, you know, they would have thought that TikTok was, you know, something from the devil or something. Because, you know, <laughs> it is. They, you know, they really thought that these half hour TV shows was, you know, that was just like, oh my God. That's, what do they do to our of, children? <laughs> you know, and that's a half hour. And that seems like forever now. So we're in that age with, you know, there's, you know, it, things that, like you say, you know, 10 seconds long, mm. that's the attention span. But at the same time, as you point out, the incredible popularity of really long form podcasts, mm. like people really having an in-depth discussion for a really long time are also really popular. Yeah. So, I mean, it's an amazing thing to see how it's almost like, I don't know if, if you could make this case, but it's almost like the the social and cultural evolution of people is happening at a really fast rate. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing all this stuff that used to take, you know, at least decades, more like yeah. centuries to work through. Now we're able to work through it in, you know, a couple of years, or in some cases, even a couple of months. Yeah. And it's amazing to see, you know, and every time these things happen, we learn more about ourselves and, and who we are and how all this is, how it all fits together. And, you know, I, it's incredible to be alive at this time. Really Absolutely. incredible. As a musician, I mean, just the tools that are available to us as musicians. Absolutely. I mean, as I say, when I was growing up, we would have killed for the, you know, <laughs> a, a tenth of, you know, right. what we have now. Like, you know, every time I open my laptop and, and go into Logic, I mean, it's just like, oh my God. <laughs> right? You know, studios that cost $10 million didn't have this stuff right. when I was a kid. Right. The capabilities, so it, yeah. Right. It's yeah. amazing. It's amazing. Absolutely. And uh, that, I guess then our challenge is to live up to that or to make sense of it somehow. I think it's, I think it's to sort of, I, I, I'm guessing it's to sort of embrace it and become part of it. I mean, it seemed to be, it seems to be working out for you in, in, a, in a sense that like you're, you know, like, you know, before music would come and go and then have a resurgence, but like with the internet now, like all music has this right. chance to live on right. in perpetuity for new new fans. And I'm sure you're getting fans who are 13 years old writing yeah. to you like, Mr. Manring, you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. You know, like <laughs> I got one of those yesterday. Yeah, exactly. So it's like that that's the other beautiful part about this is that that it's also able to, you know, like you're able you're you're your art is able to live on forever, even no matter what it was at that time it came out and was released, you know, no matter how mainstream New Age got, you know, like your art is always going to live on 
in 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 perpetuity as long as the, there's electricity, I suppose. Hopefully, an EMP doesn't go off and send us back to stuff. <laughs> Facebook doesn't get hacked yeah. anymore than they already are. <laughs> right, but you know, like it. it so it it is amazing in that aspect. But I, you know, it, it's a, yeah, it's, it's a that's, weird world. That's a really good point. I hadn't I hadn't really thought about that. But you're right. There's that famous author who wrote the end of history. It's a Japanese name. Uh, Fukuyama maybe wrote the end of history in the in the 80s I think when the Berlin Wall came down he said that's the end of history that you know now everybody knows that the only kind of society that works is uh, democratic capitalism so that's mm -hmm. all that's going to be from now on we're done <laughs> yes. and it's kind of famous that you know it hasn't really worked that way yeah but maybe you're right in the sense this is the end of history in the sense that now everything is recorded and it's always available so we don't really have fads like we had in the past so much mm. because everything is there and we can all kind of indulge in these different aspects mm. of it at different times. That's a really interesting point. I really like that. Well, I mean, when you look at it before, like the internet was a thing, things were just sort of in 20 year cycles, you know, like, right. you know, even in the nineties or even early two thousands before the internet was the internet, you know, like swing came swinging back in. And, and yep. I think 20 right. years before that, right. Wasn't, wasn't a swing a thing in the eighties too or something? Yep. Like, um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So like, so like these things sort of just are cyclical. These, these movements are cyclical, but now that it's all just here, we're just all picking from whatever the big, you know, the big thing. I don't know. It's, it, it's interesting to see where we're going. And, and I, I honestly do think you're right. What you said is that, you know, we're, we have these, we have these, uh, you know, these eight minds, these, these, you know, these, we're just apes, you know, like advanced apes, just, just <laughs> running around, blowing stuff up and making music and stuff. And that's what we are. But the technology that we're creating is going so much further. So we're still yeah. these like yeah, yeah. apes, you know, with our moving thumbs and stuff. Uh, but we have technology of like, you know, that that's way beyond our DNA. And so I guess they're, um, you know, what do we do with that? I, I guess we're just sort of stuck in this weird place where we're sort of, you know, transitioning into something else, I guess. I, I suppose. Yeah. I suppose. I mean, it's, it's an interesting point you bring up, too, because um, music is is kind of an outlier in all this because yeah. we've been there have been some studies fairly recently on this. And um, it's this kind of complicated. And I'll, I'll try to try to present it simply I, this what i'm about to say isn't really correct but but overall <laughs> it is that animals don't really have music um for all their beautiful singing songbirds don't really sing in a key for instance mm. that you know they don't ha they don't have a sense of you know what a major third is and a major third sounds happy as far as we can tell they're not doing that and no, no animals, as far as we can tell, does that. There's some animals that seem to have some kind of rhythm, and that's really bizarre because it's not necessarily the ones that we would have thought or did think. But nobody really seems to have music except for us. And it's kind of bizarre because it, music just kind of appears full-blown in the human species. And I always thought this this would be you know, incredibly fertile ground for anybody who's got bizarre conspiracy theory, science fiction uh, inklings, they should go into something about music because it's almost like it was this technology that was implanted in us yeah. to do something, but we can't quite figure out what, you know, it is that, that it's really doing. Yeah. 
So it, it's a it's a fascinating thing, and we're finding out a lot about it just just recently. That there's not a lot of money to fund research into music and music cognition and the psychology of music and mm-hmm. all that and psychoacoustics. Um, but what what there is is kind of turning up some bizarre stuff, mm-hmm. and um, that somehow music is really central to the human project, the human experience, but. You know, it doesn't, you know, we're not really sure what it's doing right. there. <laughs> what was the use of this? Like, what was the fundamental use of, 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 you know, banging a drum or hitting something over and over again? And why did that stay embedded in us over all the years? Right, right. right. Yeah. What, it's what fascinating. What, yeah, I mean, like, that is a really interesting thing to think of. And moving Dutchman, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, we got a baby Yoda, we got a baby Yoda uh, interview that, that we got to do here but uh, uh awesome. <laughs> yeah <laughs> we'll get to that in a second uh, no the 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 that that is a very interesting idea like where where why why is it in us why did it become right. such a central thing for us like like i mean is it uh you know like cuz cuz what was it drum was it drums drums or percussion was the first sort of uh, instruments or something recorded, you know, right? We don't really know. I mean, most likely it was people, you know, banging on something. The oldest instruments we have are flutes, actually. And going oh. back, they, they recently found one that was older than any other. And there's all kinds of flutes all over the world. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, you got to figure music probably appeared before language. I right. Mean, people probably were making sounds in some way or other, and probably more, they were probably more musical oh. than they were linguistic. Right. So it's really, really deep inside of us. Well, Bonnie just came up with a great thing, the beating of our hearts, because there's, yeah. always, a, there's always a beat going on inside of us, so maybe and, that's something. And you can track, in terms of the beating of your heart, your heart rate tracks exactly to music, mm. you know? So that, like, you, you know, what we think of as fast music we would also think of as a as a fast heart rate, and what we think of as slow music, we would we would think of as a slow heart rate. Right. I mean, it's almost the tracking is almost perfectly yeah. aligned. Well, there you go. Well, I think we solved it. I think we solved it. <laughs> we didn't even have to prove anything. We solved it. All right. Well, let's uh, let's bring out Baby Yoda. We got a we got a baby Baby Yoda. Can you hear me? Are you there, Baby Yoda? Baby. Yes. Baby Yoda, you're here already. That was quick. Wow, I, I should have been on it. There you are, Baby Yoda. Welcome in. How you doing today, buddy? Well, good. Yeah. Uh, what have you been up to today? Well, I started off with some Yoda school. Yoda and, school. Yeah. And. Now, now I'm watching some video games. Nice. That was warp nine speed, at least. Yeah, I agree. I agree, Moving Dutchman. Uh, uh, mo- uh, Baby Yoda, do you have a question for our guest today, Mr. Michael Manring? Yes. Okay, go ahead. Shoot. What is your favorite color? Ooh, um, what is your favorite color? My kids tell me my favorite color is black. So I'm going with that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's black. Uh, do you have another question for Mr. Manring? I do not. 
Oh, okay. Am I what? He said he does not have another question. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, uh, well, thank you for that one, Baby Yoda. That was much appreciated. Um, uh, Michael, do you have a question for Baby Yoda? Uh, how can I better use the Force? Ooh, that is a good question. Baby Yoda, how can Michael Manring better use the Force? You know, the silence might be my answer. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, if I know Yoda. <laughs> silence. Um, I, think, I, think he's, uh, I think he's in deep thought. Uh, Baby Yoda, are, are you still thinking or do you got an answer for us? I don't know at all. Nice. Well, there it is. <laughs> That's the I'm, just, I'm just a little tiny Yoda. Okay. So. Fair enough. You still got a lot of learning to do, don't you, Baby Yoda? Yep. Thank you, Baby Yoda. Well, fair enough. Baby Yoda, thank you so much for, for coming on and hanging out and, and being you. You have a great rest of your day in uh, in space school, okay? Okay. Right. Bye. 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 There he is, everybody. <laughs> Baby Yoda. Oh, God. Sorry. Oh, my God. That was terrible. I'm, there it is. No pretending tonight. No. Not at all, Moving Dutchman. Thank you for using your channel points, Moving Dutchman, for that Baby Yoda interview. Um, Anyways. uh, (laughs) Anyways, we we were kind of talking. There was uh, I sort of brought up this thing, and I've been talking a lot about this with a lot of of artists because uh, I think that – it's a big debate, especially with uh, what's going on right now. So – at the at the top of the show, we were talking about Robin Thicke and and his uh and his boob rubbing, and um you know on the foot of uh, of R Kelly on the feet of R Kelly being sentenced and and uh, uh you know prosecuted. Uh, what where where do you stand on separating art from artist? Are you someone who can enjoy the art of an artist that's been maybe you know. Uh, you know, called out and and you know, prosecuted, or are you one that can separate this? Separate I mean, the that's two? A, yeah, that's that's a great question. That's uh, a great question. Well, we've been talking about it a lot, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm I kind of lean towards you have to you know you have to factor that in. I kind of lean towards that. Mm-hmm. Um, people are complex, of course, and so you can't you know you can't draw the straight lines you'd like to draw. But I, I can think of artists that I really admire. But, you know, if you learn a little bit about their lives, you know, I, I admire them a little less and I like their music a little less wow. if I learn something about yeah. their lives. And and the opposite, opposite too. Mm-hmm. Um, it really depends on the person. You know, some people, some people are jerks, but they have every reason to be jerks. Yeah. And then some people are just jerks. <laughs> and they don't have the reason to be jerks. Sure. And I, I think that finds a way in, into the music you know if there's one thing i feel pretty certain about music is it you know really does reflect who we really are you know it's pretty pretty hard to fake music you know it you know you 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 can a little bit Mm -hmm. but i think overall it's you know music really whoever you are is going to come out somehow in the music so it's a complex formula that's yeah. for sure but i i would lean a little toward the side of of you know music not not excusing uh, really really uh, immoral behavior 
Yeah, and 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 you know that's a Bonnie says good answer by the way. <laughs> oh, thank you, Bonnie. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, and, and I respect that a lot because because you are right. It's like you music is a reflection of of who that person is, and I mean when we're even when you're talking about the case of R. Kelly, you know he has numerous songs where he's talking about you know doing inappropriate things with people, you know, and, and, and when you're listening back and you know the truth now, it does sort of, you know, taint that experience. Yeah, yeah. You know, right. it, even with Bill Cosby, you know, like there's right. this old joke where he's talking about Spanish fly. And I love Bill Cosby. My father used to play Bill Cosby yeah. records all the time, you know, yeah, playing yeah. Buck Buck and uh, what was the, the go-karts and uh, go-kart, is it go-kart Willie? Was that his name? Or no, uh, anyways. I used to be into all of that stuff, you know. My, uh, I love those records, and um, uh, you know, now when you hear that joke about Spanish Fly, it's like, oh, it's yeah. really cringy now, you know. It's like, right, well, right. gee whiz, kids yeah. say the darndest things, right? <laughs> the de- the dentist gig was cool. Yo, he had classic. <laughs> the dentist was a great bit, um, but yeah. but but you're right, it does taint it. Um, and whether or not that I would just stop enjoying Bill Cosby, I mean, I haven't watched Bill Cosby special, you know, since then. And, and I don't really, you know, I guess I don't really I want to, you know, I, I think you're right. I think that is a, I think that is probably the best answer because it can't just be one or the other. I mean, I guess it has to be, what, what was it, you know, yeah. now with R. Kelly, man, I, it's really tough for me because I really, I really believe I can fly. Uh, you know, like I really like yeah, stepping yeah. in the name of love and all those, yeah. all those tired jokes I've already told. But the, it, it, but I really do enjoy the music. And you know, even though the other day I was listening to it, and, uh, and I was thinking, it's like, man, every stream is another point zero zero one cent in his pocket. You know, and it's right. like. I wish there could be a way that his victims could get the music because I still want to be able to enjoy the mm. music, but you know I don't want to support him, and I don't like that that it supports him. So there is this weird quandary where it's like, well, what do you do? I don't know. I don't know what. It really reason. is. It really is a tough quandary, and and you know, kudos to you for caring, well, and for you know for knowing because uh, sometimes we'd. Uh, listen to people we don't know anything about who they are, and that it doesn't even really enter into our consciousness as to, yeah. you know, what's going on. But it does, you know, I think it makes a difference. Yeah. I, you know, and I don't think it's necessarily about completely boycotting that person. But, you know, if you find somebody who, you know, really is a good person, maybe give their music a little extra <laughs> listen, yeah. you know, and maybe there's something there that that you'll you'll hear eventually in the music that that it that's really coming through, or maybe not. Yeah. But you know, that's it's a trick, and all we can do is kind of aim in the right direction. I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cartagena, Michael Jackson, same thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Mm. Um, is Michael Jackson the same on the same spectrum for you? Is uh, I mean, Michael Jackson. I mean, Thriller is an amazing album. <laughs> yeah, I, I never met Michael Jackson. I, I knew people that that knew him quite mm-hmm. well. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I, it does make a difference to me. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, there are days when I think, oh, I'd like to listen to a Michael Jackson song. Mm-hmm. And some days, some of those days, I'll think, eh, yeah. maybe I'll choose somebody else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Just because, you know, it, that the thought does occur. So um, it's a tough one. And, you know, I guess one we just have to make 
you know, make our own moral calculus like we do. But, you know, we do that a thousand times a day anyway, don't we? For sure. You know, and you can't, you can't make it, those calculations perfectly, right? Yeah. I mean, every, every single thing you eat, you know, you can't do the research on where it came from and <laughs> who was employed and at what wage and right. how fairly and whether they had, I mean, you do the best you can just aim in the right direction. And you know, I think music's the same way. Um, uh, hopefully you, hopefully it, it won't happen that if you find out somebody is really a horrible human being, it won't make you like their music more. Hopefully that, <laughs> that won't happen. Yes. <laughs> That is a little bit of a moral quandary. Um, um, yeah, now that is that is strange. It's like, oh man, R. Kelly did that to all those women. Oh yeah, let's get into yeah, some right. R. Kelly. Yeah. I don't want to know that guy. Yeah, you kind of want to avoid that, that that one if you can. <laughs> if you find yourself saying that, maybe it's time to do a little bit more inner reflection. Yeah, yeah, time to rethink some things there. Um, yeah, no, it, it, it's a it, it is weird. Um, Bonnie was saying, uh, especially since he's died and more stories have come out, it's hard when the artists cannot defend themselves. Yeah, that's true yeah, yeah. too. Uh, yeah, I yeah. mean, but those, those, that's one of those things too. You know, I heard this argument. It was like, well, R. Kelly was convicted because people were. Uh, comparing the two Michael Jackson and R. Kelly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, they were saying you can't compare Michael Jackson because he was never convicted of anything and that's true you know and, and so that that's something to take into consideration it, it just sucks that you know I don't know there is sometimes people get accused of things that later turns out not to be true and right. but yet the repercussions or it, it, it's too late you know it's too late yeah. and and now their career's over and they and even though they've been cleared of these these situations you know their career is still suffered or or yeah. greatly hindered so it it, it kind of goes in that whole cancel culture thing that um, i just have a huge problem with I, I don't know how what do you think about this whole cancel culture where you know, we we cancel artists and, and or, or or people because we don't like what they're saying or what they're doing. It's so tempting, isn't it? To <laughs> just be able to say, you know, this person did this bad thing, so we'll just wipe them off the face of yeah. the earth. You know, it's so tempting to have that kind of godlike power. Yeah. But you know, none of us is perfect. I mean, yeah. any any one of us, you know, you're gonna find. <laughs> skeletons in the closet i guess and you know michael jackson from what we i guess we know he was a victim himself and you know that may have been the cause of the some of the problems he caused Mm -hmm. so how do you you know where do you draw the line who's really to blame some cases it's easier to see um it's a complicated issue and i I guess i'm kind of with you i'm not sure it's worth you know, just kind of trying to to get rid of of artists entirely because of something they did or other public figures. Mm. But you kind of have to weigh it all and say, hmm, is you know, is this a deal breaker? And to what extent of a deal breaker is it? I mean, it's it's complicated. When we talk about living in this interesting times, one of the things that's interesting about it is we really have to think deeply about almost everything now. <laughs> You know, it's, we're, you know, not, we're not let off the hook. You know, right. when you hear something about R. Kelly, you have to think, okay, is this, what does this mean 
really and was he really just a bad guy and yeah. and any of these options may be the case you know yeah. and you kind of have to figure it out and how should that affect how i listen and like you said is, is a spotify stream is that <laughs> should i even go down to that fraction of ascent right uh boycott level or is you know it, it's hard to know yeah, it is. It is hard to know, but I think I think the problem with cancel culture, which, by the way, Michael Manring, you have been canceled for not not saying that cancel culture is appropriate. Right, so you're, sure. you're canceled. You're canceled now. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> that makes me feel good. Thank you. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> someone cancels me. <laughs> If, I, if I'm not rubbing somebody the wrong way, I'm not trying hard enough. There it is. There it is. That Michael Manring knowledge right there. So. Um, no, it, it, it's just you know I, I find it more because it, it but because it does. You want to be canceled too, Black Girl Gamer? Okay, here you go, Black Girl Gamer. You have been canceled. There it is. Well, I, I kind of you know. We don't have to go too crazy into this because I, I, they are over me talking about this. I know it, but but there's this. The, I know that this is an issue, especially for Americans. But I feel like it infringes more on like this idea of freedom of speech, you know. And and I feel like music and art has paved the way for. Um, the freedoms that we are enjoying, or, or at least, you know, not pay, I shouldn't say pay, mm -hmm. but helped. Mm -hmm. You know, when yeah, you yeah. think about, you know, the, the, the civil rights movement, music and art was a huge part of that as well, yeah. you know? Uh, yeah. So throughout these years, art and culture is always sort of informed each other. And, and so I feel like when you're, when you're starting to like wipe away parts of, you know, music and art, I feel like you're wiping away our culture as well. And, and, and we're also sort of taking people's uh, options to voice their their feelings and opinions. And as Americans, we have that right to to do that. And so we're sort of stepping on people's rights to to, to express themselves who they are. Now, I'm not saying that this is, this is this that means that's okay for R. Kelly to do the horrible things he did. But I'm saying that like you know people are getting canceled for much less than what R. Kelly did. And they're losing the entire careers because of something they said or something they did 10 years ago and they posted on Twitter or something, you know. So I feel like it's more of an infringement on, on freedom of speech. And I, and I think this pattern is getting worse. And, um, you know, it's not just artists, you know, you know, anybody can be canceled now. And, and it's going to people, you know, at work that just work at an office job, you know, that that just... They posted something on their Facebook 10 years ago and someone, their coworker found it and they're like, look it, Michael's a racist. Right. Racist Michael, get out. And you know, you know, now their life is over and they're and they're, you know, they're out of work. And so like I, I think it's just bigger than just canceling someone and, and shutting them up. I think it's I think it, it, it's moving towards more of like, you know, this is what you're allowed to say and this is what you're not allowed to say. Um, and as an artist, that bothers me a lot. Um, yeah. So I don't yeah. know. How does that fall in your ears? A absolutely. I mean, it's again, it's, you know, we find ourselves in this really interesting predicament. I guess the invitation, more than the invitation, it's, it's really the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? We really at this point are compelled to think deeply about these things, right? Mm. Because we have all, you know, everybody's past is, is an open book at this point. Right. Every, everything everybody does is an open book. We have security cameras everywhere. We have everybody's 
uh, emails and tweets and everything going back as far as we want. So, you know, we have to we have to figure out how we deal with this and what really is an unforgivable transgression and what isn't. Yeah. What you know? Does context play into that? You know. Yeah. Which it or, doesn't. Or not, you know. <laughs> it doesn't. And but yeah. I think, interestingly, it, it I, I think, I wonder if, if um, we're thinking about how living in this, this time period is, is kind of insisting that we develop a little bit more, uh, I guess, morally. Jeez, I hate to say that because mm. it's so fraught with tricky kind of problems. And I'm, I'm not into offending anybody particularly. Yeah. But, um, you know, we really kind of have to fine-tune our, our whole moral uh, processes mm. because of, of, the, of the technology we have, because of the tools we have, because of the way the society is structured. And um, that's, that's a tough thing to do. You know, we kind of have to really figure out, you know, how we're going to, you know, what's, what's right and wrong in, in all this and what the consequences should be if, if there's a wrong and what the consequences should be if somebody's doing right. It's a, you know, it's a tough one. Yeah. It's a tough one. And I don't know, are these smart machines going to help us in this process? <laughs> well, I don't know. It's, it's, I, I like thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I wish I could, I wish I had more answers. Yeah. All I have is questions and, well, and thoughts about no, it. No, you know, and like the funny thing is, is that these machines are programmed by people. In, and, mm-hmm. and so their, their morals that of whoever's doing the programming is what's going into that. There was this case in Florida where we had, uh, I might be getting this wrong. It's been a while since I've talked about this, but it was where there was a, there was uh, two cases very similar um, in what happened. One guy was black, one person was white. And in Florida, in this particular county, they started leaving it up to AI right. to right. start, you know, yeah. Right. And so what ended up happening in this particular case is that white guy didn't get as bad of a sentence, black guy did. And they thought that maybe if we brought AI into the situation, we could get this sort of this bias out of here. And no one stopped to think about whoever was programming this, their bias and their morals and their, you know, their thought processes going into this as well. And so I don't know if machines are going to be helpful in that aspect. It doesn't seem to be, but maybe they are. I mean, this is one case, you know, this is one case study. Right. And, um, who knows? Maybe we, there's better results in other cities, other cases. So I don't know. I mean, it- it gets to an interesting point, interesting philosophical point. It's a little deep, but, you know, is there such a thing as objectivity? Yeah. Or is all there is, is just, you know, bias of one kind or another? Is there any real there there in terms of, you yeah. know, is anything really true? Or is it all just different <laughs> shadings of of something? And are we even capable of understanding that? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, and, and just the way that we are... Uh, witnessing what we're witnessing as, as, you know, especially since the pandemic, it's really ramped up, but like how we really, the way that these, these AI bots and the way the algorithms work, you know, like we're really creating our own little realities for ourselves, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and so whatever sort of your thought process is, you're 
algorithm is sort of going to tailor itself to that. And then so you're just going to sort of go into these biases and, and just lean into it instead of sort of objectively looking at it. And so we're always being sort of coerced into these paths, you know, that that we're of our own doing, you know, but it, it's still an outside thing working in. But I, I don't know what's true anymore or not. Like there's just, yeah. you know, you don't know one article it says this and then a different article says the exact opposite. And, yeah. but, and yet these things are still being touted as truth to a, a, a sect of people. So it's like, what do we even, where do we even look now for truth? It's all yeah, it's spectacle. There's a, I mean, you bring up a really interesting point where what we're doing is we're magnifying ourselves <laughs> yeah. with, with these processes that, you know, technological and, and I guess some others as well. And that speaking of Bill Cosby, it brings to mind that old Bill Cosby joke where he was talking to somebody about cocaine and Bill Cosby was saying, what's, what, what is it you like so much about cocaine? And the guy said, well, it, it intensifies your personality. And Bill Cosby said, yeah, but what if you're an asshole? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And so I think we're finding out, that, you know, that we're kind of playing out that joke in real life. <laughs> <laughs> and seeing where we end up. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! There we are, everybody. We, we oh, wow. Uh, no, I, 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 it's it is a very fascinating time to be alive and to 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 to, to be witnessing what we are witnessing. But um, uh, we got a question uh, from the chat that I want to get to. So um, okay. this is from. Um, let me read. Iron earache. Iron Earache, <laughs> thank you for asking the question and using a fresh bar. Appreciate you. Uh, oh, Mighty Mighty, thank you so much for gifting that sub. Let me get you one more time, Mighty Mighty. Mighty Mighty. Okay, so here we go. Mighty Mighty's a Mighty Mighty's our uh, star around here. Um, awesome. Uh, let's see here. Always fascinating to listen to Mr. Manring talk. I hope to have a chance to chat in person someday. Do you have plans to tour? In any capacity soon, uh, living room shows is also another question. So any tour plans, living room shows? Yeah, I mean, again, interesting times. <laughs> I really don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. I have to say, uh, before the pandemic, things were getting pretty sketchy in my end of the music business. Really? And I was kind of, yeah. In which ways? Uh, you know, the fewer and fewer venues for this weirdo kind of music ah, yes. and um you know it's the travel travel expenses going up and mm -hmm. the fees staying the same or going down yeah and i was kind of having to to x off gigs that i was doing a lot just because you know, the travel expenses finally got greater than the yeah the gig was paying which you know it used to be you know there's no no brainer you know you got paid to do this gig and it cost this much to get there and then when it cost this much to get there yeah you kind of have to say goodbye yeah. so i really don't know um things in, in the music business are really shifting to much more of this kind of virtual focused mm -hmm. I, I i love it i i have all kinds of ideas about where the whole virtual uh process could go in music and would love to be part of that um but i love playing for people mm. and you mentioned the living room stuff I love doing those. I love being able to play in intimate settings. I actually don't like great big concerts. Yeah, <laughs> like with, you don't like playing them or you don't like going to them? Uh, either one, actually, <laughs> really. <laughs> really, well, either one. Why? I've, I've played in some really big places. You know, yeah. I've played in these gigantic, you know, Tampa Dome and places like that, you know, 
50,000 seat places. What, what don't you like about that? That seems amazing. Uh, on one level, it is. On one level, it's, you know, it's incredible to stand mm -hmm. up. The biggest audience I ever played for was um, about 700,000 people <laughs> outside. Yeah. <laughs> Where was and that? That was on the, uh, the mall in Washington, D.C., oh, 4th wow. of July. You know, just I was just part of a you know yeah. huge, huge lineup that day, but there Beautiful. was that many people there. That's amazing. And it's um, yeah, it's it's quite something to stand in <laughs> front something. of that many people and <laughs> and try to make music. But even at you know even at that twenty thousand people or even ten thousand people mm -hmm. level, it's kind of there's not much difference between ten thousand people and seven hundred thousand people. Really, gotcha. it's just that's just a just a lot, a lot of people, <laughs> and you have the kind of same your brain kind of goes to the same place and it's I, I can see how for some people some people are really good at doing that mm. you know at, at at projecting out in that way and I, I guess we know most of their names actually um but for me that's i don't know I, I just feel like in that place there's not a lot of room for subtlety and dynamics mm. and i just i just love playing in a room with 50 people yeah. and you feel like you know you can play just the quietest thing you can think of and and everybody's there with you and you can look into their faces mm. in a lot of venues you can't see anybody yeah. and it's it's really disconcerting when you I can't mean, see people that's a that's really you get it it's kind of a, actually a skill you have to develop in music being able to to play when you can't see anybody mm. and that's true of a lot of the big rooms especially the big concert halls yeah the ones that are like 2,000 to 6,000 people. Mm. But yeah, the the future of touring is is kind of a question mark. I'm also starting to feel pretty guilty about how much carbon I've put into the world mm. from flying around on airplanes. Yeah. And I would love to to not do that. <laughs> so it's it's a big question mark yeah. at this point. If if I can go places, if I can afford it and not do too much damage to anything yeah. i would love to to continue to go around to places and play for small groups of people would you consider but, uh, canoeing to venues <laughs> absolutely absolutely <laughs> any any method where i can take this this big thing on my, on my bases yeah. if i if i can get a canoe big enough and i'm, I'm strong enough to paddle i'll be there oh <laughs> um, uh no i man it, it really does sound like especially your interest in technology like it almost sounds like um a, a platform like twitch might be good for you or um i mean it, i i know you mentioned that you love playing for people i do too you, like last year when the pandemic struck and all my gigs were you know eliminated and never came back by the way uh, <laughs> the yeah. uh the the um you know once I found Twitch, once I saw the possibilities of what I could do with it, and uh, I completely was like, you know, what? I'm never playing a live show again. I don't care about that. But as the year drug on, and and you know, Twitch is great, and I love it, and and I really love performing on Twitch, and I really love that. But um, but I got the itch, and like now yeah, I'm yeah. back out. You know, I'm back out there. I'm in with playing with some new guys and and doing some new different things out there. So I'm back at it because there's nothing like it. But nothing like it. When you say things like nuance and like being able to like really dig into a room or whatever, it, it's 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 like Twitch is beautiful for that. And and like if you mm. spend any time on here watching any of these any of these fantastic musicians, what you'll find is like 
uh, people who who just play delicately and sing very delicate and just have very you know very beautiful and just those are the people who tend to do very well. Those people who are able to to use their uh, environment, okay. to use their to use the technology to its fullest, and and like just listening to your last album, which which I I definitely uh, suggest everyone going out and checking it out. And and thank you. Um, it, it, oh my God, I wrote down the name. I'm so sorry. What was the <laughs> name okay. of the list? It's called Small Moments. I was gonna call it Sound Visions, but that's not at all what that is. It's <laughs> yeah, Sound Visions small is the moments. documentary about it. Yes, yeah. yes, which. Yeah, yeah. Which, uh, Which also is good. <laughs> yes, it is. And you guys can find all that in the chat. And Raina just dropped it in the chat. But uh, go check oh, it. Oh, thank you. It's thank uh, you. All his all the links are in the chat, everybody. Make sure you go and, and check it thank out. Thank you. Thank you, guys. But, uh, you, but you know, like like an album like Small Moments, before we got started, I was like, I was listening to that album setting up. And it just put me in this very, like, this mode where I was able to work without being too distracted because I usually have all these things going on. And that's what I usually do. I usually put on like, um, like I'll listen to Ravi Shankar or something if I'm studying yeah. something or researching, yeah, yeah. or I usually put on instrumental music when I'm doing something that requires intense, you know, focus. So um, that really, really was awesome. So I, small moments, everybody, make sure you guys go check out small moments. And uh, thank you. Uh, it, but but uh, uh, but what I was saying is like the idea of nuance and and being able to you know really express yourself the way that you want to. Um, Twitter, I mean, Twitch might be something that might be up your alley. I don't know. I mean, you're interested in technology and stuff, so um, I mean, it's a pain in the ass to to figure out. But <laughs> once you get it, it's really awesome. I'm I'm really hoping. I have a lot of big dreams of stuff I'd like to do. I think I I think what might happen is. You know, there was a time when all music was live. Yes. And then recording came in. Mm -hmm. And then we we ended up getting a job that was sort of a dual nature job. And and you know what that feels like. When you're recording, that's one way of thinking. And then when you're playing live, that's a different way of Absolutely. thinking. And some artists are better at one than the other. My guess is this might be a kind of a third in in when we really get it going, and maybe it is already kind of a third way of thinking about things. It's not really recording. It's not really playing live. It's all kinds of things that come into play, like the interaction part of it is mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. I think it w might need more bandwidth to make it really take off. I mean, it, once it gets to the point where you can watch a, you know, a, a live virtual performance and you can choose the mix, you can choose where you want to be in terms of the camera. Oh, and you know all that kind of stuff. When that when that really kicks in, that might that might make it Michael, even more. Exciting. I want you to know that that is exactly what's happening right now. Like there, like there's nice. a band called Glowstick Willie, who who's a regional band from around here, but they're a, a Twitch partner, and you can literally pick the camera you want to view them from. Nice. You can. Nice. Uh, it's not the mix, but you can pick like sort of so like how you saw me played that melodica thing, uh, yeah. the melodica or Baby Yoda. These are things that are part of like our, our channel points that you get for just watching the channel. And you can sort of do different things. You can have the interaction be as interactive as possible. So, like, Moving Dutchman yeah. was like, get out Baby Yoda and, and have him <laughs> interview Michael Mannering. And I'm like, okay, well, we're doing that. But yeah. the possibilities are absolutely endless. And I think that uh, for the mix part, I think that is something that you could do. That is something you could probably I, I do. I think you can. I'm, I don't know if this, if the maybe the bandwidth is there for somebody who knows a lot more about it than... 
It is. It is. Like, you can do a lot now. I mean, your upload speed has to be pretty high, but you can do a lot. We've got that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I think I think that's exciting. You know, just you all know, these it's options. To think it, about, man. I mean, yeah. here's the thing. I've been telling my friends, to, <laughs> my musician friends, to get into Twitch for the last year and a half because yeah, of the yeah. pandemic and stuff. But no, no. But you know, I'm not going to be insulted if Michael Manring is not on Twitch <laughs> tomorrow or anything. You know, it's just I get that it's it's a lot. Like when I'm saying a lot, I mean a lot. But you seem to be yeah. someone who really enjoys taking on that complex things you know especially i mean that that fucking bass is just i don't even i wouldn't even know what to do with that. does that thing even have a mono out like this is, is that you know it, wisely joe decided to put a mono out okay out. That, I, I wasn't i wasn't gonna go for it but this is i this wasn't is a gonna regular go. old mono out but, but this is this is the this is a five let me see if you can see it yeah five way output mm-hmm. so that's one output for each string and then there are pickups built in here here, here, and then there's one up here, right here. And, and those pickups go here. Uh, this you probably can't see. This is little trim pots. Yeah. So you can make a mix uh, of those pickups inside the body, and yeah. that comes out the fifth output. And then the sixth output it just sums everything, and wow. And it goes, you know, I can play plug into any amp with that. That's, that's but insane. yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's that, a lot of fun if the. If the pandemic will allow us, I have an invitation to perform at Stanford where they have the one of those rooms that, you know, it's not 5.1, it's not 7.1, it's something like yeah. 58.7 Dang. or something. So we're going to have a lot of fun with that. Yeah, I bet. Um, yeah, man, that's dope. That that bass is crazy, man. Like, what do you, what do you just, why do you have pickups like in your, like in your headstock and like on your on where why do you have them in those random places and not so close to the strings? Yeah, the concept was we really wanted to be able to to pick up the resonance of of the body mm-hmm. and to uh, see what would happen if we did that if the whole instrument was kind of alive. Wow. And I love having those. Yeah, I, they're they it's really they're really helpful for certain circumstances. There's a piece on my previous record, my the record before Small Moments is called Soliloquy, and if people want to check that out, I would be honored and thrilled. But there's a piece on there <laughs> that that um, I didn't play the strings. I just played the body ah. and let the strings ring. It's called When We Were Asleep in the Earth. Okay. And it's you know using these transducers, so I'm not I'm not doing this. I'm just doing this and letting mm. the strings ring in sympathy. Yeah. So it's for things like that to see what happens if you think about the instrument in a different way. If you think about the instruments playing surfaces in a more expanded way, rather than just you know you can only play here and here. What happens if if you have the the whole instrument becomes a playing surface? Like you know what happens with an acoustic instrument? Right. Right. Can you? But it's been it's been interesting. <laughs> I did a. I've done a couple of shows. I do all kinds of shows. So I play these little tiny shows. And I also, you know, occasionally play big shows. And I was opening up for a pretty loud band on a short tour. And was uh, one night I was going to do a, a piece with really use the whole body. And so I had the transducers on. And I was playing and I kept hearing this strange sound. I thought, oh dear, something is wrong with the PA system. This kind of low, rumbly, thumping kind of sound. 
And I thought, oh, boy, that really doesn't sound good. I wonder what that is. And But it kept playing, and everything seemed to be going okay. And it suddenly dawned on me that what I was hearing was my heartbeat oh. transmitted through the instrument. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny. So it's, you know, it's been interesting. It's always interesting when you go out on a limb and try these things to see what kind of problems you can generate. <laughs> see what kind of problems you can take. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to put that in the chat. Somebody was asking um, soliloquy. I don't know how to spell soliloquy, but I did find yeah, the album, hard. and here is the link to the Apple. I'm sorry. I, did, I just found something, the first thing I could find. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. But you can. I'm sure if you just click on that, you'll be able to get the spelling and go to whatever streaming service or download service you use, and you can find it. Um. <clears throat> Uh, 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 Michael, your music is the most interesting and in- inventive that I have had the chance to discover. Thanks from oh, Paris. Thank you, thank you Ort. Thank you. That's so sweet. You, thank Ort. you so much. Um, thank you. Y- you I can know, I can point you into a lot of in- interesting inventive music <laughs> other than mine, if you like. <laughs> um, oh, I don't know what just happened. Okay, that's okay. Um, the so for for uh, for small moments, you know. You know what I heard was a lot of just just you. Um, was there what was the was there a um, was there something that you were trying to accomplish with this album that maybe the what what was it that you were trying to go for for this album? Yeah, the the last several years have been kind of the same process. Mm-hmm. It's you know um, it's kind of funny. I didn't didn't realize this is where we'd be. Oh, in the yeah. 21st century but to me i always thought of the you know the bass is this new instrument and we need to explore you know what it can do we, we even kind of need to explore its identity what does it you know what does it mean what does this instrument mean uh you know what are all the parameters of it and how how are they going to work and interestingly we've ended up in a place with a bass that's very traditionalistic mm, yeah so by far the most common and and really very popular view of the bass is you know kind of what 1965 mm. you know that's that yeah. you know we kind of that, that's, that's where we stopped yeah right we're, a we're couple years after there. it was invented is that's it <laughs> yeah, yeah that's it that's that's the bass that's what it does and yeah. we're going to leave it there yeah. which is fine yeah. i love that that era of bass playing adore yeah. it yeah. adore it um but i was i kind of surprised that there isn't more of this Kind of well, you know, that we we're hardly getting started with this instrument. Let's find out what it can do, especially in light of all the technological stuff that that we've been talking about, all the mm-hmm. technology that's been going on. You know, an instrument like this is just, you know, it's it's a perfect candidate for for getting into all kinds of technological things to do because it's an electric instrument. Mm-hmm. The same time that the sound is made acoustically. So it's this bridge between the, you know, the high-tech and low-tech worlds in kind of a cool way. Whereas if you take an instrument that's acoustic and try to try to use a lot of technology on it, it's always, it's always awkward because, mm. you know, it's so complete in its acoustic self. The technology always feels kind of like a, you know, like you're trying to glom it on someplace. Whereas opposed to this one, which, you know, it's, it's making, making the sounds the old-fashioned way. Yeah. But you know they're just they're just begging to be technologicalized. 
<laughs> and that to me, that's so interesting because that's so much where we are in the world. You know, mm. we're still the same as you as you put it. We're still the same. Still have the same ape brains yeah. that we've been slugging through all these <laughs> all these years, yeah. and yet we have all this technology. And how are we going to make that work? You know, is that is it going to destroy us? Are we going to live together? Is it going to make us better? Is it going to enhance us? Is it going to make us worse? Yeah. And music is a place where we you know we explore these ideas, like what happens if I add this particular form of technology to the bass. Mm. And you know what happens if I think about the base in different ways. You know what, you know what possibilities are there. So that's, I mean, that's really been my passion. I love playing good old standard meat and potatoes 1964 <laughs> bass when, yeah. when I'm invited to do that. I absolutely adore it. That's part of the instrument too. But I do feel like um, I want to keep going to see, to see where you know, what, where it can go, how it can speak in, in relevance to all this stuff we've been talking about, because, mm. um, that's really the trick, isn't it? I mean, music, I, if, unless I'm mistaken, I mean, it's all about, you know, trying to make music that's relevant to the, what's going on with people and the world. And I don't know, it seems to me like bass has a, has a place in that process because, you know, as I tell people, this is an instrument that was invented not long before I was born and not very far from where I live, you know, yeah. so it's an instrument of this time and place. You know, it's one of the few really mass-produced instruments that there is, except for maybe the melodica. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, you know, it, it really is, it's not like the violin, which is, you know, a fine work of art that yeah. comes from the old world, you know, or the whole... <laughs> you know, beautiful consciousness that's completely gone now for right. the most part. This is, you know, this is us, you know, yeah. in a, in the in the image of a musical instrument. So I, I'm fascinated by that. I'm just, that's the process that I go through when I'm working on my own music and just asking questions and seeing where these things go. And I feel, I feel bad that I haven't been able to do more with it, actually, because there's so much to do. There's so so much to do. It's interesting and, you uh, feel bad when you are like more, are out there like on the cutting edge of it. So it's like I, I I mean, thank you so much for saying that, but I don't feel like I'm on the cutting edge. I feel like I'm back about well, about three inches from I'm the saying, cutting edge. But but what I'm saying <laughs> is like you but but like what I mean, like I'm serious. When like my friends are telling me, like, oh my god, ask them this, ask them that, ask them this, you know, like people are are, are are studying you to put themselves forward, you know? Like, they are trying to, like, understand what Mannering is doing to, to further themselves into the future. So, yeah, I, I do think you're still on the cutting edge because people are still trying to do what you do and, 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 and still trying to, like, figure that shit out. You know, it's like, how does he do it? <laughs> you know? Well, thank you so much for saying that. I appreciate it. But I assure you there's so, so much more to be done. It's kind, well, of, I, I agree. kind of all ahead of us in a way. Yeah, and, and you know what? You know, I... I I asked that, you know, I said that half jokingly because obviously, <laughs> obviously you're not done. Obviously your brain is still your brain and you're still going to keep thinking of different ways to, to utilize this thing that you have so much passion for. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, I'm, I'm guessing that just is second nature by now. It's just like, that is what I do now. I just think of ways or things just come to me as uh, of different ways of pushing the boundaries of this instrument and 
it's just a natural part of who you are now. So, of course, yeah, I, you can't, see I, I can't make it stop. It just goes with it. <laughs> I mean, the, it I dream about this stuff at night, you know. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't want to keep you too much longer here because I know I, I told you a certain amount of time and I don't want to waste your time at all. But um, I, I, I just have to ask a little bit about your experience with Jocko and um, yeah. just because, you know, it's Jocko, man. It's Jocko. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, can you can you 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 studied under him for a, a couple of years. Um, could you give me a, a little bit of your experience with him and some of your big takeaways? Yeah, I mean, I was so lucky to have that experience. Jocko was my absolute idol mm. as a young man. When I was 22 years old, he, you know, the world revolved around him. <laughs> he was kind of all I ever thought about, actually. Yeah. And um, really kind of just wanted to be him. And at the time I was living in New York City, being your, you know, being your basic starving artist. And, yeah. and he was there almost all the time, too. He was living in New York almost all the time, too. And so I would go to see him play when I could afford it. Um, and he, in those days, he was playing a lot of small places. Mm. So kinds of places where when they would take a break, you know, I could walk over to him and pester him with a lot of stupid questions. Yes. And he said, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to be doing some teaching. Just come by and, and you know, at, at this particular place. And, and so I would go by and whenever he was in good enough shape to be able to teach and uh, pester him with even more questions. Hmm. And I mean, it's, you know, that was a really lucky thing to be able to meet the person who your whole life <laughs> revolved around. Absolutely. Uh, but it was interesting. Um, he, was, he was really, really ill. Hmm. He was really, really ill. He was, um, uh, some of your listeners may know he was bipolar. Yeah. So he had, you know, high days and low days. And um, he would not take the medication for it, as is not uncommon with right. bipolar people, because they really want the highs. So, um, and in fact, he would self-medicate with other things that he shouldn't, really shouldn't have been right. self-medicating with, which would really set him off. Oh, boy. Yeah. So he was... Um, he probably should have been institutionalized, to tell you oh, the truth. He, wow. He was, yeah, he was, he was unbelievably self-destructive. Wow. In fact, I think he may be the most self-destructive person I've ever known. Wow. It was, um, and that was, that was really hard for me to, to, to figure out when I was a kid, when all I wanted to do was be Jocko. Right. And that was, he, all he wanted to do was not be Jocko, not be, <sighs> yeah. you know? Yeah. So that was, that was a hard little equation to, to work on of my little 22 year old brain. I bet, I bet. But, um, uh, he was a really compl complicated person. Uh, he was very smart, but liked to pretend he wasn't. Hmm. Um, in, he, he really wanted to teach at that time. It's kind of bizarre. Yeah. He was really into it. He really, his kind of big dream was to have, a, to start the first base school. Wow. And he really wanted to do that. But I mean, there's no way that he had enough, yeah. you know, uh, what would you say? Clarity of mind to even begin that process. Right. And he had some people that were willing to help him, but even so, even so he had a lot of people who were willing to help him, but even so it was just not going to happen. 
because right. he was just hanging on by a thread. Um, he he could be really, really, really nasty. I saw him treat people in ways that really was horrific. Um, and he was hard on his family. You know, mm. I knew his family a bit. I knew his dad a little. I knew his wife a little. I knew his kids. Um, and that was tough. But he was also super sweet. Um, when we would get together, he was so sweet to me. I mean, I was nervous beyond belief that. to get, you know, get together and have to play in front of my biggest hero. <laughs> but, you know, he yeah. would slap me on the back and say, you're a bad mother. <laughs> Which was definitely not true. <laughs> but um, he, he knew I was nervous and he knew that I just adored him and he wanted me to feel better. Yeah, he but wanted... he probably saw something in you, though. I mean, obviously, you you did live up to those expectations. I, I suppose maybe he, I think he knew that I cared, mm, which yeah. I, I think he appreciated that because I yeah. think he had a lot of students come by who just wanted to show off or who didn't, you know, just trying to ride on his coattails or something. And I, I, I there was stuff I wanted to know, you know, yeah. I actually, you know, data points that I wanted to try to fill in. <laughs> it's like, what were you uh, doing on this record at exactly, this time? <laughs> exactly. Instead of, hey, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Check out my, my demo. Right. Yeah. And and that was kind of odd because he he didn't think about a lot of that stuff in spite of the fact, as I say, he was very intelligent. Mm. So we spent a lot of time where I would ask him something and he'd say, Gee, I never really thought about it. And I would show, I would try to play it for him, and he'd say, "Oh, right, no, no, try it this way." And I would say, "Do you play it this way because of that?" And he'd say, "Uh, maybe, I guess." <laughs> <laughs> it was really pretty interesting. The whole it is, process. It, it's really interesting to think about, you know, these people who we consider like you know true geniuses of whatever mm. they're doing is like that. It, that is just what they are. That's just what they do. You know, like they don't really yeah, understand yeah. it or or try to understand it. It's just it's just what's happening, right? You know, like that's just what's what it is. And he was especially weird because he both understood and didn't understand it. Mm. It was really weird because, right. I mean, we could talk about, you know, all kinds of technical musical jargon mm -hmm. and he was, you know, he knew all that stuff was, yeah. was right there with it. But then there were some things, you know, like sort of like that he didn't really think about that much or hadn't thought through all the way. Mm. Just did, as I say, it's, you know, he's a kind of a complicated person that yeah, way. Sure. But he was, he was a sweet guy. He was mm. a sweet guy underneath all that but he was he was bound to to self-destruct and yeah. eventually did yeah so it was a that was a sad it is i mean the the whole thing was was sad in a lot of ways it he was largely a laughing stock in new york really was the, yeah really yeah, they didn't respect what he was doing oh man holy no. shit i mean there was a handful of people that did but a lot of the clubs wouldn't hire him wow. i mean you have to understand he he burned bridges as badly as uh, bridges can be burned. Yes, yes. That you know, his, I his get behavior, that. I get his that. behavior was so fantastically erratic. Yeah. I mean, a lot of clubs wouldn't book him just because they didn't know if he'd show up. Right. And, you know, he'd show up and not have a, an instrument. <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, yeah. he'd, yeah. You know, he'd destroy things. And, you yeah. know, it was, it was a tough, tough thing. But as I say, underneath a lot of that, uh, trouble and and illness really mm. there was a there was a really 
a really good person and and I should say a, a great father, you know, really a good dude. Yeah. But it really got overshadowed by I think the the illness and the substance abuse um I would guess was what overshadowed that, but it's hard to say. Yeah. It's hard to say if there weren't some other things going on. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I just wish we had that. I wish we knew what we knew now about psychology then, so like he could actually get, you know, proper help. I don't know. You know, I don't think that's the issue in his case. Really, I'm not. You know, I'm not an expert. Me neither. I just. But um, he's Peter Erskine, the drummer who was in Weather Report. Mm. His dad is a was a heavy duty psychiatrist in New York. Mm. So you know, super duper expert. And was treating Jocko for a while. Oh, wow. And Jocko was committed for a while in, in Bellevue, in the, in the mental hospital in, in Bellevue. And they were taking care of him. And I would notice, you know, he'd have, his, his days would, would vary incredibly. Mm. And I think it was, you know, how much, if he was on his medication or if he was on other substances, I yeah. think it was... I think was what was the cause of that. Yeah. But I mean, he could be really lucid and really with it, or he could be just like, yeah, this guy should not be walking around. <laughs> this is really, really, really crazy. Yeah. You never quite knew what you were going to get. Yeah. That's, that's a shame, but you know, his, his music lives on, man. He's a legacy. It does. He's a legend, he gave so. us some, some <laughs> incredible, incredible gifts of, of music. That's for sure. Is there so we can end on a on a nice note and not the sad Jocko note, um, which which you know it, it's a sad story, but again the music lives on and that and that's yes. the beautiful part about this. Um, is there any uh, is there any bassist that or, or musicians in general that uh, today that stand out to you that that you that you really respect that are coming up in the scene right now? Unlike everybody else my age. I, I, I think this is a great time for music. <laughs> I think it's awesome. Really? Yeah, I, I think and so too. I, I think so too. You you think so too? No, I think it's a great time for music. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm so glad. Yeah. I'm no, so glad. I, I get I, the impression I, that I know what you're saying though. Like, I know a lot of people who are just like, music is garbage. And I was like, what are you talking about? There's just so much, and it's like yeah. you're not looking in the right place. You're just not. I I think I know what what they mean. There are certain things that happened whatever in the '60s or '70s that kind of aren't happening now, which is weird. Yeah, but um, like what? I, um, in particular, there's the sound of some records that I can think of, like Sly and the Family Stone records, mm-hmm. some Motown records, some like Led Zeppelin records that just sound amazing. Mm-hmm. That just sound incredible, and I, I just I never hear records that sound like that anymore. But we have records that sound amazing in other ways. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. You know, I can, I can, I can see that those points of view, and we don't have those great big rock stars like we did then. Yeah. I'm not sure that's a bad thing, though. Sure <laughs> well, we got rappers off. now. Now we got rappers, so which is great. Yeah, I love, awesome. no, I love yeah, yeah. them. No, I love them. I love it. Drake, you know, like I was yeah. just listening to a new Drake album yesterday. I was like, man, this does hit. <laughs> I don't care I mean, what anybody says. <laughs> some amazing things they're doing that you know, yeah. just like wow, who would have thought to do that yeah. in music? You know, some of the rhythmic things that are happening. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Even rappers that that are the way they rap. 
are oh, like, man. you know, like it, it's getting crazy. Like they're yeah. just, it's, it's literally like they're turning it into jazz. Like just the Absolutely. way that they, the, their, their cadences are, are just so, yeah. they're just, they're just drawing from every era. They're drawing from every, yep. uh, you know, like all, yep. all of hip hop history is like being just spat out. And it's really interesting. Yep. But rappers don't have synchronized dancing like the Temptations had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the thing. That's true, Bonnie. <laughs> maybe if that. they had synchronized dancing, maybe we, maybe, maybe then more people would appreciate it. Uh, but is there any uh, basis in particular? Maybe young young cats coming up right now that you really are uh, respect. I, I I can't name names because every time I do, I'll, I'm going to forget somebody. Okay, no worries. I, I can't do that. No worries. But, you know, in, in bass, in music, there's a whole bunch of great stuff going on kind of across genres. Mm. Um, there's, yeah, there's just a lot of amazing things happening. Uh, some of my students even are, are doing wonderful things, which is, is really great to see. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and there's so much more to do. Um, so I, I think if... Whatever kind of music you're interested in, if if you do a, a little bit of digging, and it doesn't take much these days, not at all. Spotify. I mean, just a couple of, of clicks, and, yes. and find out like, you know, if you like somebody, find out who they listen yeah. to, and and it's all you know, there. They got their stuff from. It's, it's all, all there. Yeah, you don't have I'm to just, look on the back of an album and then go no, no. and look it up in a magazine, <laughs> and then go into the library and hopefully they have that obscure album they were featured on. Yeah, I, right. Yeah. So I I would just you know kind of encourage overall the open-minded listening and maybe maybe get off your regular playlist once in a while and see see what happens pop on some michael man ring well <laughs> I, I, I would be very grateful check Thank you. check out <laughs> small <laughs> small moments the latest album from our guest today go out and check it out i promise you if you put it on and uh and you're studying or something and you're just chilling or, or even if you want to like meditate i think it would be a wonderful thing you know it was interesting when i went on your spotify your biggest your, your most popular stuff is all your meditative stuff right isn't that crazy that's so interesting i, I don't know where that comes <laughs> from but yeah so this really super new age that's what i'm saying i man. mean it's literally meditation music right yeah. you're you're like uh, you're st- <laughs> like and that's the thing you know you say you're not on the cutting edge but i think you still are i think you still have a <laughs> I do. I mean, I really do. I really do think that people are, you know, people are still reaching for the mannering, you know, they're still like looking to you for, for what they are going to do in the future. So, well, you're really nice to say that, Mike. What's the, the Hertz thing? I was going to say, cause like one thing is like five Hertz on the, on the Spotify, the, um, but, but some of the songs have Hertz in it. Is it just like, uh, Yeah, I work with a a really interesting musician named Stephen Halpern. Yes, I work with him fairly, you know, every once in a while. He lives not too far from here. Oh, good. And he is one of the real pioneers of New Age music. He was one of the first people to do it. He came up as a jazzer, but really got interested in music and healing, music and consciousness, music and meditation. Yeah. And he's explored all these different kinds of aspects. And this is one of them is what happens if you have a in one way or another, you have a preponderance of some vibration in music. And there's actually, there's good, good uh, empirical evidence now that when you listen to music, your, your brainwaves will synchronize with whatever the the main frequencies going on in the music are. And we don't know what brainwaves do. (laughs) We don't know what what process they serve in the brain. We can measure them. We know what's happening, but we don't, we don't know what they're for. Why are they there? No, yeah. uh, my wife has all these. Um, well, 
I got her these samples. She has seven for all seven chakras. Oh, awesome. Beautiful. And, um, man, you know, the response she gets, because she'll do this on stream. Hey, what's up, Ziggy? And actually, Ziggy is who I was going to talk about. You know, like we had somebody um, who was like, I can't listen to this ensemble today because it really does like mess with yeah. their head. And depending yeah. on like what mood you're in or health or what frequency, whatever, whatever's going on around you, these things can be very powerful or they could be detrimental in ways. Or, and maybe it's yes. something you need to work on, yeah. you know, maybe these frequencies like the head chakra or whatever is like. Maybe if this frequency is messing with you, maybe there's something that you did. Yep, certain tones hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Much love. Yeah. Matt Suarez, yeah, yeah. how dare you? <laughs> Good to see you, buddy. Uh, Michael, I, I've had I've taken way more of your time than I said I would, so let's end it here. I, I appreciate I appreciate all the beautiful things that we've talked about today. And again, I appreciate uh, you as a as a human being, as a musician and and uh, I hope that uh, I hope that we can do it again one day. Well, the pleasure's absolutely been mine, Mike. I appreciate you having all the interesting conversation and, and letting us go to all these these crazy places. It's, <laughs> it's a pleasure for me, and I always learn That's, a lot. And yeah. and I, I so appreciate you inviting me to be part of this. Oh man, it, it was the honor was all mine, Michael. Thank you so much. You have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. You too. All right. Peace out, sir. Bye bye. Thank you so much, Michael. It was such a blessing and an honor to have you on the show. Again, go to manthing.com, M-A-N-T-H-I-N-G.com to stay up to date on everything that Michael's doing and all his social medias are there. You can find everything, Michael, at manthing.com. And again, many blessings and namaste <laughs> to uh, to Mr. Manring, which... That was like the most aggressive namaste I've ever done. I was like, namaste! <laughs> you know what? Michael has such a gentle voice, and I can be so obnoxious and, and, and abrasive. So um, it, it's just, well, I guess that's just who I am. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Anyways, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. Again, find us on Twitch. We stream every week at twitch.tv slash we speak english good mondays and fridays at 3 p.m eastern standard time so please do come on through it's a good time you'll you'll enjoy yourself you can also find us on all the streaming platforms all the social media platforms tiktok facebook instagram twitter we're on discord jump in the server you'll have a good time uh, also go check out a new single that we got going on by JT and the Conspiracy by I Play Keys on it it's called Love Drunk Wasted go and blow it up folks it's gonna rock your world okay gang love you so much you guys have a great rest of your weekend and I will see you guys next week much love and uh, be good to your fellow human beings and of course HJ for everybody